So the NRL Supercoach All-Stars podcast, this is Barnsley, back again after round six, and joining me this week is Luke Garrity, back again on the All-Stars podcast, the one of the two hosts on the Rugby League Cemetery podcast, which is a great one, but mate, you've had a well, about six weeks in between episodes now, you must be due for another one soon. Yeah, mate, yeah, we're falling a little bit behind at the moment due to sort of watching six games every weekend out of about the eight so far, so we've got to catch back up. We might have to, we've got to come up with something new, I think, to do a couple of shorter episodes on, um, you know, on a few players or something like that, just to get through when we don't have time to watch a full game, like, in the middle of the week, which sometimes gets a bit hard. It's pretty big, the episodes, so, I mean, I understand what you're saying, because, I mean, it's, I mean, obviously you've got an 80-minute game, but they, they go for a bit longer with stoppages and everything else, so it makes it pretty tough to, to do that and also talk about it and everything, like, it's it's a lot of work. Yeah, that's right. You've got to look all this stuff up as too, especially on the old ones, because the stuff people would tend to be interested in, you go back and watch an old game, and then you've got to go, oh, I forgot that guy played for so-and-so, and go and look at a few interesting things about him, and a few weird things that happened in the game, or were happening that season, or, you know, um, you'll watch, and there'll be some, some something strange will have happened in the game, the year, or whatever else, and looking through it. So we try and do them pretty detailed, but we do need to get back on the horse soon. Um, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll sort of tempt my, my mate into doing another one by getting a good night's win or something, that usually brings him out when he's uh, a bit busy. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, you've been flying in uh, the Supercoach overall rankings. You've been killing it. You were close to the to around the top 200. I think now that you dropped to top 500, but you're still sticking right around there where you're in striking distance. I think that you mentioned, though, that how tight it is. You, what Did you say you're like a 100 points off first, but 100 points off two, 3K or something like that? It's really tight up there. Yeah, so I, I was in the top 500. I'm back to about 700 this week. I had another bleed on the weekend, but I'm still having a look there. I'm still only like, I'm 100 points from 200. So I'm only about 170 or something from, from the top 100, but I really am only about 100 or 120 away from being about two or two at 2,500 3K. So like, I keep thinking it looks all right. And I go, oh, I'm still in the top 1,000. I would have taken that, not being disappointed. I'm dropping a bit, but I look behind me and I, I really need to keep motoring or it's going to end back back in the pack pretty soon. So I've had three weeks where it's gone like 300, 400, 500, 700, and I need, I, and it's time to turn it around. So, if you got any ideas for me today, that would help. <laughs> oh, mate, you should be giving me ideas. I wish I was top 500 or top 700 even. For anyone out there that thinks that your your season's, you know, a quarter over or whatever and, you know, you've got no hope regardless of where you are, you know, you can be top 20,000 and still go on some runs and stuff at the moment because two things, Luke, is with this Supercoach season in particular, there's, there's more points on offer, which means there's much bigger swings in things like your centre wing roulette, but also on your captaincy choices. And, and, you know, one of the things that we're going to be talking about is the plethora of front row forwards that there are to choose from, which everyone's going to choose some different ones, so that's going to really mix it up. But also the plethora of fullbacks that we now have available with guys back and guys out, and how that's going to mix things up. So it's not surprising that there isn't much difference um, between, you know, the top couple hundred to the top few thousand. And even from the top few thousand to 10,000, there's not a huge amount of difference either. So you can really move up quickly this year. And I think that 
the swings can be really, really big, either really bad for you or really good for you. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of guys that have kind of moved up or moved backwards really fast, more so than what you would have in previous seasons. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, look, it's one of those things, like, it, it's I've been pretty happy with how I've been ranked, but the worst captaincy score I've got was when I looped David Fafita's 90 and everything else I've got's been over 120. <laughs> so that's why I'm sitting where I am. I've got the same, very similar team to everyone else, and I haven't missed a captaincy choice yet. And unfortunately, when I've looked really good, I've had a couple of injuries. Like, I had two or three guys get hurt when I was on to sort of score 14 or 1,500, and that's probably going to hurt me later. But it just shows, like... I've nailed all those and the week that I miss out and, you know, a few people at 2K go and get the 120 that I miss, um, that's going to flip things really quick. And and you're right that the thing is this year is that this is probably the first year I can remember where there are, we cannot get all of the best players in. It's not possible that, that by the end of the year, it's very possible. Um, the great David Fafita aside in the way he's playing that the best four players could all be fullbacks and you could not have them all. So, you know, um, if you're sitting, if, you know, if, if it was a head to head race between you and me and I'm running Pappenhausen and Tedesco, uh, pretty easy. Hey, you catch me, you go put the captaincy on Caelan Ponger and play Tom Travojevic and you nail the week and you know, we're even, you know, we're, we're back yep. to square one. So it's, um, it is, it's, it's in, in any other year we'd have had, Turbo in the centres would have had Ponger at five eight. You know, we'd have would have worked all these around and super coach. I'm really happy they've tightened up the dual eligibility. I think it's really good. It's stressful because I don't like having two of those four in the wild at any given time. It's upsetting <laughs> and anxiety provoking. But um, from a game point of view, I think it's really great and it's really opened the game up because um, you just can't blunt those off. There's, you're going to have to have guys in the wild that can hurt you, and if you catch chasing, you can go and get them in. Yeah, and look, we'll talk about a bit more of that when we get to the fullback chat. But as far as this podcast goes, everyone, what we're going to be doing, like we have really for the last couple of podcasts, is that we're going to focus on a position because the position this week that's really come up into the spotlight is the front row forward spot. And that's due to a, a number of factors. You know, there's a number of reasons why we've come to this apex of round seven. We're coming up to round seven. We have so many teams really needing either one front row forward or even two into their side. That's happened because, you know, some front row forwards have been gone due to injury, which has happened. Um, Takiyaho has been named, but I doubt very much that he plays. That's a big question mark, and there's obviously other guys that have gone out as well. There's also peak pricing that has happened now with the mid-range and cow guys. Stefano is a really big example where he's now peaked and probably needs to go before he bleeds. Uh, and then there's some really poor team builds where even pre-season there was guys that were sort of trying to get away with putting two cheap front row forwards in, or, or at best, you know, maybe one cheap front row forward. Guys like uh, Lenu from the Panthers has been a little bit disappointing lately. People thought they could maybe play him after the first round. He looked all right. Yeah, there, there's a lot of that stuff that's come into play. All of it has culminated in several different types of teams really needing at least front row one front row forward this week, or possibly two, or deciding not to do that and, and maybe at their own peril. So what we're going to do is really take a, an in-depth look at the front row forward position as of right now for round seven, uh, some of the big options that are there for now, uh, and look at some of the strategy around you know whether you do it or not and who you go for as well. We're going to quickly touch on the fullback conundrum because that has gotten even more interesting after the last couple of weeks. Then we're going to segue into the top uh, picks for market watch that we're going to spotlight on, and then we're going to go into TLT round review like we normally do. So obviously we've got our fantastic partner, Top Sport, that I need to mention because they do have some of the best odds in the betting markets in Australia. They are 100% Australian-owned. 
they take care of all their pun- punters, but they'll take care of you as one of our listeners even more. Just make sure that you put promo code SC All Stars in if you create an account with Top Sport. Top Sport have some of the best odds in market all the time, but their NRL stuff is absolutely mint. And hopefully in the near future, we will get to one day having Supercoach to bet on. But until we do, they've got a lot of great stuff with their NRL markets and even with the wider sports there, often best of markets. So do get on them. But if you are going to do so, make sure you do so responsibly. They are a great partner of the All-Stars podcast and I enjoy working with them. On that note, let's talk about the front row forwards first, Luke. Now, realistically, um, there's I think I was chatting to a few people about this and I know you're probably on board with me where sort of pre-season you feel like front row forward's a bit of a, a crappy position. It's one that you don't really want to spend too much on because it's one that you can't get huge upside on. Um, and there also wasn't a huge amount of options. There wasn't a huge amount of bang for your buck. And you could kind of go with sort of the one cheapie or, or, or one mid there and things like that, or even a couple mids and try and get away with it. But coming into round seven, one of the things that's actually happened is we've come to a point where we've got half a dozen really good value options that could end up being fantastic buyers. And it's really hard to pick between them. So let's start off with Payne Haas and have a bit of a talk about him. Obviously, to start the season, Luke Payne Haas wasn't playing. He was suspended. But now he's back into the fold. He's now got three games under his belt, so we can kind of see where he was at. And the interesting things with Haas is that he's averaging 63 points, which is well below his 75 points a game in 2020, well below his 78 points in 2019. I predicted that. That's how I thought it was going to be. So I'm not surprised at all that he's around the mid-60 point. I thought that would happen. But I thought that would happen because Kevin Walters was adamant he wasn't going to play more than 60 minutes a game. And he's now come back and played 69 minutes in his first game, 66 minutes in his second, and 63 in his third, with an average of 66 minutes. So, you know, he's a full 10% over in minutes to what Kevin Walters said. And for a guy that averages over 1 ppm for his career, an extra 6 minutes a game really matters. You know, that's an extra six points. So it's a, it's a huge amount of swing. Um, so that was one of the things that didn't really culminate with his 63-point average. When I had a little bit more of a look, uh, one of the things that's really enticing about Payne Haas is, you know, he was 668,000 to start with round when he first started in round four. Now he's 630,000. So he's dropped a fair bit, but he's got a 97 BE. So there is a realm of possibility that next week versus the Gold Coast Titans, Payne Haas is going to come into that Queensland local derby at under 600,000, which you know you would not have thought would have happened early on, but it has, and it's probably going to be an excellent value by next week. I'm going to throw one little flag up there that I noticed, Luke, and then I'm really interested in your opinion on Payne, but... One of the things that I was searching for, you know, I was looking at, you know, why is he playing more minutes, but his PPM is down? What is the difference that I've seen from previous years and whatever? Really, really startling. And, you know, it's a small sample size, but in these three games that Payne Haas has played now, he's only got one offload in his three games. In his first five rounds of footy last year, he had 14 offloads. And he only had 14 offloads in total in 2019. One of the things that he really built on in 2020 was he started pulling out this offload where he could have like four four or so a game every now and then. And it was just massive, really inflated his base attack scores. Has been nowhere to be seen uh, this year. And in fact, his tackle breaks have been fairly non-existent as well compared to what we've seen. So interesting what type of pain Haas we have. To me, he looks a little bit overpriced, but he also on pedigree looks like the best front row forward gun available. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. It's, it's, I'm, 
I'm looking at the team list at the moment because I've um I think he's a little bit overpriced. Um, I, the, I've searched, spoke to you about this before. My issue with him is that he's got 630000 and I'm looking back and I'm seeing that we're a week away from seeing Junior Paulo get under five. We're a week away from seeing David Clemmer push five. Um, David Clemmer has had two down weeks. He had a down week on in the Gold Coast where everyone's base had a down week. We saw... Um, Tino scored very poorly in that game in base. Daniel Safidi scored very badly. The game was completely played on the edges, and there was a bazillion tries. And the week after that, Clemmer inexplicably lost 20 minutes. He is playing with a – he'd sort of um, – he had knee clean up in the offseason, and he sort of tweaked it against the Dragons, and he just got uh, his minutes limited last week. And if they pop back, he's averaged what Payne Hass is averaging now. Um, for a hundred grand less than Payne has is um, Tevita Pangai Jr. has gone to the edge permanently, uh, and they're two weeks away from having a pretty good run of games. So I guess for me with Payne, it's not that I don't think he's any good. I mean, he's obviously really good, and I'd love that if he was just in my team already, and I didn't have to trade him in. I'd be really happy to just see that score plot along. But do I want to spend that on what we've seen so far? I don't know. Um, the reason I mentioned team list is because there's a hooker on the bench now, not a very good one. Uh, Teddy Levi has made his way onto the, that bench. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the old Knights yeah, hooker that's, just that's keeps right. plugging it's good around. To see that the other NRL. teams are now playing him, so enjoy that, Brisbane fans. Um, but look, he has a very good game in once a year, <laughs> Levi. He'll have one game uh, where he looks like sort of Danny Baderis and, and 25, where, yeah, nah, pass. So, um, but that move, you would think might help, but it's very hard to follow Kevin Walters' logic because when Tevita Pengai Jr. was playing in the middle rotation, Payne has got more minutes and he lost minutes when Pengai went to the edge last week. Like his minutes went down despite one of their, you know, better middle forwards going to the edge. So maybe Levi doesn't matter at all. It's very difficult for me to follow what he's doing in that way. Cause you think, Oh, you know, Pangai was in the middle rotation. So Payne's minutes go down and he's on the edge. They'll go up because you need quality players on the field. But Matt Lodge also played his lowest minutes last week. So Hass and Lodge played less minutes than they've been playing with Pangai no longer in the middle rotation. So I really can't follow it. Um, <laughs> Look, yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel bad about that. Okay. Cause you know, you can't follow what Kevin Walters is doing, but Kevin Walters can't actually follow what Kevin Walters is doing. So I, I really wouldn't be concerned about it. I don't think Walters has any idea what he's doing. And it's just, it's really maddening because like all that stuff you brought up is right. The other thing too is that like I brought up Payne Haas's offsides and I, I mentioned to Wilford today in a chat that we we're both in, I, surely Kevin Walters isn't, um, telling Payne, you know, to, to limit his offloads and just to try and be a workhorse because that doesn't make any sense either because Tevita Pengai Jr. has been offloading like a fiend and been pushing offloads in his own 10. So that can't be an edict to his forwards not to offload because we've got guys in that same team doing it. So, I mean, it's a bit of a mystery with Haas on whether he's actually going to go better or not. I think one of the pros on getting him is that he does have, I guess he's the least scary Okay, so if you pay that premium price, you're not going to get a really bad score, which we've seen from all the other front row forwards that we're going to discuss. They've all got a, a 40 in them. Payne Haas probably doesn't, so I think the floor is the positive. Um, what I would say, to your point, though, that I agree with the most, is one of the things that super coaches don't consider enough is value for dollars. 
And uh, sorry, one, one of the things that super coaches don't consider enough is points per dollar spent. That is a massive, massive deal. And what I mean by points per dollar spent is you're looking at getting a guy that's going to average 63 points at 450k going, that's huge points per dollar at 450k getting 63. When you're spending 630k for that 63 points, you're not getting huge points per dollar spent. You're actually spending a premium to buy those points. And that's something that I can't get my head around with Payne Haas. So to me, I'm much in your boat. I I think that it's probably better to wait and have a look at some of these better value options we're about to talk about. But certainly you're not going to go wrong if you invest the money in him. You're going to get a high floor and that's the upside. Yeah, that's right. I I wouldn't begrudge anyone doing it. Um, I just, I think you can probably get better value or you can wait because we're talking, oh, you know, there's a hooker on the bench. He might get some more minutes. Well, if he does, he's got a high BE, so he's going down, not up. So if he comes out and plays 70 minutes and scores 70 points, I mean, get him next week. He's going to be cheaper anyway. I think that's a a good thing. I mean, unless he scores a try or something on Parramatta and plays massive minutes, he's not going to break his BE. So I, I would just have a look and that unfortunately is going to be a bit of a theme of my suggestions on a few of these guys based on the way their their break evens are going but yeah he's one where uh, you know you go oh well the risk is this he's only scoring at this and it might get better well just wait till it does and then buy him because he's going down he's not going anywhere and you know let's say he gets 65 this week and you go and buy you know Pangai or, or or Paulo or Clemmer or whatever, and they get 50. Well, you've only cost yourself 15 points, and you've probably still got, given that you've also got the 100 grand to put somewhere else, I don't think that you'll be behind on making that move. And, I, yeah, I, I'd, I'd watch an act. I'd have one more look, and if his minutes look good and he plays well, I'd yeah, at 600 next week, I'd have a real sniff. Yeah, and what I'd probably say in everyone's defence as well is that there's probably majority of teams looking at a front row forward, and I'm going to say the vast majority are looking at one because they need one lot right now. So, I mean, it's before we move on, Payne Haas, you know, as a strategy, do you think it is better to play a shitty option? Like, would you play a, a Linu um, for one week to be able to get a better look at Payne Haas and these other guys and make a more informed decision for next week and spend less money next week? Uh, or would you be more concerned having to play a guy that might throw a 30 up in your front row forward starting spot? I've been grappling with this most of the week because I do have Tino and um, Takiaho, and I am very much hoping that Takiaho can play without his ribs. That would be really helpful for me this week. But um, <laughs> I am on the fence about that, but I am less against that than I got the impression you might have been. Uh, I wouldn't play uh, wouldn't play Spencerino. You can't play him. Um, Stefano or Ryan James, I, I would have a real think about playing. And there's two reasons for that is that firstly, if you look at their scores, they are reliably hitting 40 um, and it's not taking much for them to get to 50. Both of them have found attacking stats this year already. And I think it's, you know, James has got the Cowboys. It's really not beyond the prospects that he goes over for a try. He's always had tries in him and he's, he looks pretty good this year. Um, if you've got one of them, I would have a think about it for one week. Now, the reason, if you put it, I think front row is the least voltage position in in the game. So when you go, if you were playing this week and you're playing, you know, Nathan Cleary was out or something, if you have to play a crap halfback, 
that and some and other guys are playing halfbacks that can average 70 you can really hurt yourself like you, if you don't run a halfback other guys have got a halfback that might average 80 or score 100 the front rowers are probably all going to get 60 if you look across if you buy paulo um he'll get 40 to 60 points most likely you know i know he might score or something but generally speaking clemmer is going to score 40 to 60 almost definitely because he's not going to score whatsoever um pangai might get some attacking stats that's not a bad stab but he's playing a good team and Payne has is probably going to get between 60 and 75 and with those points if you back someone to get 40 you are probably at most costing yourself 20 points but when you move in other positions if you use that trade somewhere else and we might talk about fullbacks and stuff like that if you were to say get Tom Travojevic into your team you might make up 100 points quite seriously like if you are going from not playing someone to suddenly playing Tom Travojevic or are you going from I, I've got Charlie Staines in my team and if I move him to Zach Lomax I, you know, maybe not this week, but the Roosters. But just as an example, if you move a Charlie Staines out of your 17, you can get a 20 out and you might get 100 by getting a gun centre in. If you get Travojevic in, you can make 100 points up on what the guy might come in. If you move it prop, you're not going to probably do that. You're going to replace a 40 with a 60, most likely, and the net gain is fairly minimal if you're going to replace it next week. That adds up over a season, but over one week, and you can say, let's cross our fingers, Ryan James scores, and I lose nothing. And if he doesn't, I've lost 20 points, and I can make that up. Yeah, I think that Ryan James made it much more viable because before TLT, I don't think any of us expected Ryan James to be a starting prop. Um, so that's that's made it a lot more interesting. So I, I was more against it when we were chatting about it earlier um, because... I agree with your sentiment, though, that front row forward isn't going to hurt you that much. Uh, I just think that there's that many good options that you can just go for one of the cheaper ones now. And one of my reasonings as well, like, you're right, Stefano's not a bad option. But one of the things with Stefano is, even though he started in the 10 jersey last week, he only played the 38 minutes, and he ended up getting 40 points. So he's he's projected to probably lose a bit of coin. So you have to sort of factor that in. Like, if you're going to wait for Payne Haas... Just for the you know the price dip only, and you're pretty happy with how he's playing. You know, if he dips 25k, it's not really going to matter that much because Stefano might dip 15k more than likely, and then you've done it all for 10k. And for that 10k saving on that trade, you've probably cost yourself you know 30 points. Obviously, there's a bit of extra money involved, but you know, for someone who's got bank or whatever, a similar sort of scenario with other guys as well. You know, even with some of these other guys that you're going to talk about. So. With a Stefano trade out and things like that, I do think that you have to take into account the BE of that guy because it's not just, you know, you're going to save money by waiting a week. You've got to look at the guy that you're holding that's also going to lose money, which I don't think enough people do. But Ryan James from you is a great point because now that he's been named, I'd be much more comfortable uh, playing a Ryan James and some of these other sort of mid-tier options. And I think that you can definitely get away with that and wait a week if you need to. Uh, but let's talk about some of the other options that you've already mentioned. I'm going to put Clemmer and Paulo in the same boat because they're very, very similar when you have a look at it. Both these guys have been written off, basically, because they've had two bad weeks. And, you know, it's really funny how fickle the supercoach community is. And I say that because, like, even we are at times as well, where, you know, Junior Paulo has a real soft spot in my heart where I'll, I'll battle for him and I'll argue for him because I love Junior. He, he, he was one of my pleasures of owning last season. He's a treasure that I thought I found and he just kept delivering for me until he got hurt. But the last two weeks, he's scored 37 and 39 points. Everybody's just written him off. You know, they've forgotten that 
across these six rounds, even with those last two weeks of scores, he's averaged 65 points a game for this season. Yes, he's got two tries in there, but even if you take those out, he's still averaging 60-odd. Last season, across the full season, he averaged 64 points a game. So he is a genuine gun. What he did last year and what he's done so far this year is actually better than the 2021 Payne Huss version that we've seen, to put it in perspective. Yet everybody's off him. He's only 519,000. He's got 114 BE. He could be 475K next week. And that is a humongous purchase. Uh, if he doesn't make the Origin team, he's going to play round 13. Everyone's forgotten it because the last two weeks he's gone terrible, 37, 39 points. The last two weeks, um, 50 minutes last week is lower than the 55 what he's averaging for the year. Um, the first three, four rounds, he went 58, 58, lower game of 47, where I believe there was an injury involved, and then 63 minutes. And then the last two weeks, he's been 55 and 50. So he's been a few minutes below where he normally is. Exactly the same thing with David Clemmer, mate. Like your David Clemmer stuff that you said earlier is exactly spot on. He's gone 39 and 47 points the last two weeks. But before that, it was a David Clemmer that we all love and that we're all yelling about how good he was last year because he went 82 points, 66, 76, and 63. Had a cracker of an opening a month. But then last week, he ended up with 42 minutes, which has killed him. So all of a sudden, he's 526,106 BE. He could be 475K next week. And I think both of these guys are being written off far too much. You know, if Clemmer gets thrown out of origin again like last year, he plays round 13 as well. So you could feasibly plan to get both these guys in at not much more than 900k next week and have two keeper guns that are both going to maybe play round 13, but one of them probably definitely will. Uh, and that's just... It's insane the amount of people that I think are writing these two guys off just because of recency bias, I think it is. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. Um, that is why I probably wouldn't move on a front row this week. When you said before, a lot of people need to. If you could not, that's why I wouldn't do it, because I would buy one of them next week. Um, Clemmer, you can probably wait two weeks on, because almost whatever happens, Clemmer is go. if Clemmer goes back to normal, what you want to see is his normal minutes. And if we see that, <laughs> he's just going to score 65. He's David Clemmer. He's not going to score 90. So he will. He, yep. you don't have to move next week on Clemmer. Um Paulo is the sort of guy who could come out and get the sort of score that will stop the bleeding this week. Like he might get below 500, but he might come out and score 80 points and you need to, to then move. But I would, I would wait a week if possible and play Ryan James to get one of those guys cheaper. If you have to move this week, I would take the pun on Paulo because Paulo is the upside guy. And I just always believe in voltage. If you're going to go early, go on the guy, like Paulo might stop bleeding. It's not beyond the realms that he could get a hundred. Um, you really surprised yeah. me saying that, you know. I've got to jump in and say, oh, I didn't expect that from you because you've you've had a few little stabs at Junior Paulo to get a rise out of me <laughs> in recent times. So I didn't expect you to say that about him. Well, that's, that would be my advice. I'm not going to buy him. I am going to buy David Clemmer, but I'm purely doing that because you have to make calls. And my call is that Paulo will make the origin side, and I don't think Clemmer's any chance. Um, I think Safidi will be locked in. I think Paulo's a very good chance. So I'm going to take Clemmer in a couple of weeks, and I'm going to take Pangai Jr. probably. I, I want two of those three. And I've had a look, mm -hmm. and if Pangai Jr. holds the edge, they've got a real run coming after this. So I'm probably going to nail my colours to them. But if I was moving this week, I would actually get Paulo over to either of them because, yeah, look, it's just a hard one. I think Paulo is the only one of those three that will play State of Origin, and you do have to take that into account. People are probably forgetting the buys because we didn't have them last year, but they're back, and they do matter, and there's no point 
you know, Paulo averaging three more points than Clemmer for the next five weeks and then missing a whole game that Clemmer gets 70 in. So you do need to take those in. But I think they're all good options. And that's one of the reasons I think we need to wait is that Paulo looks out of form from a super coach perspective at the moment. Like his, his scores are down. They, I've no doubt you're right that they'll come back. Clemmer lost his minutes more so. So we need to see them come back. And that's why I want to wait. I think you need to wait, play it sensibly. Why try and guess one now? Like, give it a week, and this is what will likely happen. I bet you one of them comes good. Like, one of them will – Clemmer will play 65 minutes and get 65, or Paulo will throw 10 offloads, and you'll go, that's the one for me next week. I've seen it. They've passed the eye test. They're back to normal, and the other one's still struggling. This week, you'll pick the wrong one. That's how super coach works, and you don't need to move on them with Ryan James there, I don't personally think, if you've got him. Yeah, yeah, look, that's all a fair call, especially with Ryan James there now. I actually agree with you on Paulo. I think that he is the one out of the few that we've discussed as far as the guns that I would move on this week if I had to. Uh, I already own Paulo, and I'm really happy for it. And a few of the reasons, too, is because some of the negative stuff over the last two weeks is actually a bit of a positive. And I've spoken about, like, the law, you know, the whole law of averages before and how mathematics and numbers work. You know, they they go on trends. And if you if you're on a trend... It's an anomaly, like, you know, if Mike Acebo goes five games without scoring a try, it's not more likely that that trend is going to continue. It's actually very likely he's going to score that week. Likewise with Junior Paulo, he's gone two weeks in a row without an offload now. You know, that's a very un-Junior Paulo-like. Law of averages are that he's going to go back out there this week and he's going to throw two or three offloads, and that really helps his scores. And he's playing against the Brisbane Broncos pack this week that can be notoriously bad in the forwards and limiting other forwards. Paulo could offload three, four times this week very easily. He could go for a try this week with the Broncos. They they leak a lot of edge tries to other forwards, but they can also leak a lot of middles. I think a few people, including our mate Wilfred, (laughs) would would lament a couple of weeks ago where TPJ was in the middle and just way too lazy to get across and stop Pappenhausen from going and scoring right in the centre of the field, right underneath the sticks. And I think it was another... um, middle forward that was there with TPJ that just couldn't get across. That could be Paulo this week. So I really like his matchup against the Broncos. I really like him to get back into form and offload a bit more. Um, but these are the top guns that we've sort of spoken about. There is some other options as well. I can hold you right there and, for a second. Can I just ask yeah, you yeah. what happened to the law of averages when I owned Blake Ferguson to start last year and held him for half the season? What happened to that law of averages? Where was his try? Oh, I held him for that, that, 15 weeks and didn't get anything. That, that law of averages was he's normally very, very bad at uh, football. <laughs> and you got that law of average right there. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that. It needed to be mentioned. No, no, it's it's fine. This this podcast is all about venting as well. Don't worry. Uh, but TPJ is probably the other the final gun on our list to talk about as an option, and he's he's a really interesting one. Like I said, that I would pick I, I would pick Paulo at the moment for a value buy over any of the others. But Pengai is probably my long term pick out of all of them, and by long term, I should really say short term. I mean, if you're going to not do it this week and maybe look at the next two weeks, uh, Pengai Junior is my pick. He got named on the edge last week and played 80 minutes and scored 61 points in that 80 minutes. A lot of people will say that's not phenomenal. He did it with a pretty shitty base at 42, but a lot of edges do have that type of base, so that's fine. He's only 526,000 with an 89 BE. He's going to get towards 500K. He's not in origin calculations at all, so he's going to play in round 13. But the other thing with TPJ that people need to consider, you know, 
he's moved position and he looked like it looks like from what Kevy said that he's probably going to keep him there. Maybe it doesn't happen, but six sixty plus minute games last season on an edge, he averaged sixty seven points a game. In twenty nineteen he had five games at sixty minutes plus on an edge and he averaged a seventy two. So you can just sit there and salivate and if Kevy keeps playing him eighty minutes on an edge, what type of average you could get. You know, the numbers say that he could get an 80 average on an edge, especially with an uptick in scoring stats like we've seen. That, that could easily happen. You know, you could have David Fafita here in Tavita Pengai Jr. playing on an edge for the Broncos. You know, all the numbers suggest that could happen. They're playing the Parramatta Eels, who are a good side, but they do leak in the middle a little bit. But after that, they've got the Titans, the Cowboys, Manly. Two tougher games granted against the Roosters and the Storm, but that's exactly why... I think for round eight, for the round after this one, you want to be aiming to get TPJ in. And I think the great thing too is, Luke, that if you decide that you want to get him early and throw him at front row forward, he's a dual position guy. So you could throw him in at front row forward now as a necessity, then move him back into your second row rotation to grab a Paulo or Clement next week after you get a bit more of a look. I really like the flexibility with Pangai. He actually ticks every single box. He's got the cheapness. He's got the high BE this week as well. He's got the matchups coming. He's got the duel. He's got the not playing origin, going to play in the bye. You know, he, he's got the pedigree when he's played this position before in this role. He's, he's really exploded. I, I really, really like him as a pod buy. He's only 10% owned at the moment, and I don't think that many are going to jump on him. No, I agree. I really like him. Um, I think, as I said, I think for me the glut at the moment is Paulo, Clemmer and TPJ, and I think I want to find a way to get two of them, and I think one of them will be TPJ for that voltage, that upside. Um, Paulo has some upside too, quite obviously, but yeah, he's just he's not on the field all the time. You know, there's TPJ has a lot of ways to points on an edge because he can actually like get try assists and tries yep. and, you know, line breaks, and he could just throw 20 offloads as well. <laughs> like, so um, there's a lot going on there for him. He's no chance of origin, like you said, and and that is important at this stage. And that's probably the difference with Haas for me at the moment is that's what I keep coming back to is origin is only, you know, six, seven weeks till the bye, really, isn't it? It's round 13, isn't it? So, uh, yeah, it's round six. So talking seven weeks, six, seven weeks away, and you're going, all right, so – if I get Payne Hass in and he averages 65 and then doesn't play that week, so that's a zero score. If Pangai averages 62 and then plays the bye, that I'm in front and he's a hundred, nearly a hundred, or he's a hundred grand cheaper. And he could beat Payne Hass over that distance if he happens to score a try once or twice in those, you know, he'll be running it, I think. Schuster in the Manly game, for an example, and I don't care who he's running at the Cowboys game. That could be anyone, and there'll, there'll be a chance. But he's going to get some chance to run at some guys that, you know, he's going to – I think he'll do well against. Last week, I feel that quite intentionally they put him out there to, you know, do a bit of a job in defense and that sort of thing. Like, I think he's there permanently, but I think they really fired him up for that defensive side of the game and they probably got him playing Penrith to put a few tricks away that we will see other weeks. I don't think he's got the yep. self-control to hold those in, even if he was told to. But I think they put him out there and it was run hard, tackle hard, and really make an impact for us against a good team. But as we start to see him play there regularly, he's going to bring the bags of tricks back out because he's never been able to resist that ever. Um, no, but look, the, the first couple of rounds, he was offloading in his mm. own goal. 
Like, it was just crazy. The, the offloads he was throwing. Well, it's fantastic for Super. I even love it in footy, but I just hate to be the coach watching it, you know. But they all came off, so it was okay. But it's funny, the first two rounds when he was doing that, his opposition are the same opposition as the next two rounds, the wonders of the NRL draw. Round one and two, the Broncos played Parramatta and the Titans. Round seven this week and round eight next week, they play Parramatta and the Gold Coast Titans. He scores Parramatta 79 points. No try, no line break. And against the Gold Coast Titans, he had his try and he got 100 points. So against the next two weeks opposition, in the first two rounds of this season, recent sample size, he, he averaged about 90 points. So it's it's not a bad time to be having a look at him. And you could even take a punt and say, I'm, I'm just going to get him this week because of his dual flexibility as well. And because he smacked Parramatta, who were playing at home, I think, in round one. So it's... He... Oh, he might make his way into my team this week. He's probably right near the top of my list because I already own a Paulo. If I decide that I need to get one of them in, I'm leaning towards Pangai. Yeah, all right. Live backflip. I think I've got Pangai ahead. I've got I've, yeah, <laughs> live backflip. Um, now that we've discussed it out, and I think I would probably move on him this week before I moved on Paulo because I'm almost definite that as long as he is playing on the edge, and it seems like he will, I'm, I'm essentially definite that he will work out. Okay, um, Paulo, I think will, but I would be, you know, if he gets to like 480, I'd be doing backflips to get him in. If I got him now and he just plods out 50, I'll be a bit irritated about it. Um, if Pangai yep. plods out 50, I'll go, it's okay because the score's coming. As long as he is on the field every week, there's 100 coming at some point. If he's playing 80 minutes and that edge, there's going to be a game where he just goes bonko. So um, I'll be okay with that. I, I reckon he's probably the one. And like I said, to go back to the Haas thing, that's, I guess, having talked through these options, I hope people get a bit more wild with saying I'm not that keen on it because I'm not saying he's going to go badly. I just think these these guys are a lot cheaper. And you, I, I bet with everything that's happened this week, I bet you there's a few of us out there, me included, who could use that 100 grand on something else. Um yeah, I think that people really need yeah. it. Like, if you've got, um, like, if Takiyaho doesn't play, and you had, like, Takiyaho, and like, there's even some teams that even have Hetherington there sitting there still. Like, But there's there's multiple guys. Like, Tino's out for a couple of weeks, and I believe that's your front row as well. You've got Tino at your front row. So, I mean, but people could have Tino and TKO both not play. Sitting there over a million dollars a year cap in your front row forward, you, you're going to have to make a move. Yeah, that's right. And if you look at it, um, you know, depending on what you've bought, if you're at no cash, obviously you've got to free a trade up anyway, but you have to free up less. Um, but for example, I've got a bit of bank, and if I was to go, you know, um, to a to a Pangai or a or a um, Paulo, uh, that would leave me money to get from Staines at three fifty to someone near five hundred k. You know, like to get someone at that four eighty zone or something like that. Um, pretty comfortably i've actually got enough cash to do more than that but if you just had a little bit do you see you, you know what i mean if you've got 100 cash laying around that means you can upgrade a stains or fi- fix your center it means you could, could do a variety of other things this week with your trades and it also means if you have to free up cash to get to house you all of a sudden don't if you're going tino or sst straight across to Pangai and those guys you're not having to free cash with your second trade you got a free hand to do some stuff with that which might be important for freeing up other spots this week because i think a few of us have lost some players. So, you know, even if you can cover SST with Ryan James, if he doesn't play or you can cover Tina, you still, we've probably still got a few guys short. So yeah, I don't know. I, I personally, after all that, I would be trying not to make a trade this week. And if I made one, like in the front row, and if I made one, it'd be for Pangai. 
I don't want to make you do another live backflip here, but I am going to raise, uh, now that we've gone through our four guns that we're going to focus on for the front row forward spot, I am going to throw another cat among the pigeons here and say, I think this is a really pivotal round. And I'm going to, and I say that because I, I see it as a huge opportunity. So for someone like me that's been dropping and really wants to get back up there, I, I see it as a massive opportunity this week because there are teams that are going to be absolutely kneecapped. Like there are teams that have Latrell, Pappenhausen, Tino, TKO, you know, four guys taking up 2.5 million in their cap. None of them are playing and they've only got two trades they can make. Yeah, you know, there teams are really going to struggle this week. A lot of teams are going to be playing people that they never would have thought about playing. Uh, a lot of teams are going to be playing people that might end up throwing out a 20 or a 30 for them. So to me, if you if you really want to be aggressive in trying to move up the ranks and trying to seize some opportunities, I think this week's a really good one to do it because you've got teams that are going to be weaker than normal, that are kneecapped, that can't do anything about it, and that are going to have to just cop a worse score, more than likely. And you could just put yourself right above them just by going hammer and tongs. Like, my team doesn't really have anyone out, aside from if TKO, you know, is out. He's the only one. So I could just sit there and say, look, my team's okay. I can cover it easily and I don't even need to make trades. Or I can say, you know what, I'm going to play it super aggressive and say I'm going to go even harder. So if I was going to be 50 points up on majority of the opposition, I'm going to push to be 150 up by making two you know, balls-out trades to try and maximise those voltage points, as you call it. I actually reckon this could be a real make-or-break week for guys that want to really try and cut some ground quickly because, as you know, the, the more we get into the season, the more it's harder to make up that ground. And we're now coming up to round seven. It's getting towards that round 10 point where you start to really notice that, hey, I've got a massive score. I was heaps better than all these other people I know. Oh, but I hardly moved up at all because that's what starts to happen as you get deeper. So this week, I reckon for me, like I'm, I'm all out aggression. I'm going aggressive moves to try and get the points up there. Yep. Um, I actually do agree with that. I, I don't want, I would avoid trading at prop. I would trade, but I would avoid trading at mm. prop. And that's to do what you're talking about is I just think that I think you're, I think Ryan James or even Stefano, who is very reliably getting 40, I think that you are dropping 15 points potentially. If you know, you could drop nothing based on what Paulo's been doing at the moment and what on and what Clem is doing, but you're probably only dropping 20, 25 points if you're going to those guys. I reckon you can make more than that in other areas this week. I reckon there's other weaknesses in the team where you are getting someone, you can get a guy out that gives you a proper boost in points that's higher than that and makes it worth the risk because um, prop just doesn't have it for me. I don't see Paulo's the one that's most likely and Pangai always can, but I just think that percentage-wise, other places you can trade this week, and we're going to talk about some of those spots, I suppose, um, with some of the fullbacks out and stuff, I, I think you can make way more points up than you can by yeah. getting Payne Hass in for 630k and copping 65 and saying that was solid. I don't want 65 yeah. with my trade this week. And I should have qualified yep. should have qualified what I said to say I'm going to aggressively trade, mm. not necessarily front row forward, but I'm definitely going to make the trades and not hold, not stand pat because I think that's a... Look, it's a safe strategy. I don't think it's a good one for these weeks. I reckon that you're better off going aggressive and, and getting your team stronger um, because it's a, a round where I think there's going to be some weak scores up there. There's a couple of little mid-range options that people aren't really looking at as much, although one of them has become more popular that we need to mention for front row forward as well. One of them is uh, the Bulldogs' Luke Thompson. So Thompson came across from the UK last year. I was really into him. Like, I, I watched him in the UK, and I thought that he was going to be a really good buy. And, you know, for the most part, he was pretty solid, but I think that it was taking him a bit of time, as you'd expect, to sort of 
uh, acclimatise himself with the NRL, and then he got a big suspension, so he didn't start again until round five this year. I thought that he started really well. You know, he came in round five, scored 83 points against the Storm, which included a line break try, um, but he played 50 minutes for that 83 points. He went up to 56 minutes last game and scored 65 points in that uh, 56 minutes, and 57 of that was raw base. I'm really liking his um, tackle breaks that he's starting to get up there. He's got a, a raw base of 51 for the year now, but his tackle breaks are probably more than what we saw last year, and that could stick. He's only 450,000, uh, and he has a BF 17. So unlike these other guys, he could be a value buy. You know, he could be a guy that can average maybe 60 points, and he is a dual front row forward, second row forward. But he's a guy at 450k that's actually going to go up. So if you were going to wait a week on some of these other guys maybe getting towards 450k, and you like the look of Luke Thompson, you could buy someone for that price or even less right now and just get them in for this week if you're desperate. Obviously, the risk there, Luke, is that Luke Thompson last year, um, playing similar sort of minutes, wasn't doing 83s and 65s. You know, he was a 51 average for 54 minutes a, ga- a game last year. He's 53 minutes a game for a 74 average this year, which does include a line break try. I think the truth is somewhere in between. I think he's going to improve on last year. Not going to be 74, but I think he'll be 60. And if you can buy a 60 average guy that's a dual front row, second row, at 450k, that's a decent option to consider probably. Yeah, it's not bad. Um, I'm not into him. Uh, it, look, it's not bad. You're not going to hate yourself for doing that, but it, it just, it, not for me. I, I think it, he's value at that price, but whilst you have to look value, you have to look at value that's also going to give you the points you want. Like the more money you spend, you do need some pedigree for it, and that is still a lot of money in the scheme of things. Like you're still locking that up in him. You don't want to get it out of him in a week. You don't want to sell him for 500. That's not worth the the trade or anything like that. And I suppose if I go, I can spend 450 on a guy that was, you know, for super coach last year and non-event who's had two games where he looks like he might be all right, or I can wait and I'll probably be paying 20 K extra for junior Paulo or 30 K extra for David Clemmer. Um, He's not, in their class as a super coach player that we know of yet. There's not really, I, I can't take two games and say that he's in that class and I would rather wait for them. It You've only got a certain amount of positions on your field. He's not going to make 150K and end up at 600 unless he goes on like a Ryan James, Paul Vaughan streak of tries or something, which is unlikely given they can't score. And I just don't, yeah, it's not for me. Some of those guys, it's like Jake Travojevic at the moment. It's like people starting with Josh Jackson. You're not going to hate yourself, but it just doesn't give you quite what you need. It's just not quite there. And he's moved back to prop this week. They're going to have games. They're that bad. They're going to have games where he scores 40 points because they're behind the post the whole time. And that's um, quite seriously is a proper concern at low teams. So David Clemmer got that 40 the other week because the Titans just pizzled Newcastle. And there's games like that actually do happen where – there's teams just spread the ball score, spread the ball score, and you spend half it behind the post, and you don't. He will have weeks like that sometimes. They're not playing the Cowboys every week who they got in a grind with and made a game of it was. I don't think you'll hate yourself. It won't go crap. It's just not going to be what you want. And when he's in your final 17 in a month, you won't like the look of it compared to the other guys you could get. Yeah, I think that's all fair call. I'm I'm kind of on board with it. I think one of the things that you mentioned is one of my main concerns with doing these type of moves. Um it's taking up a spot. Now, one of the big things with that is, like, a lot of teams are going to get to the point, and I've done this several times over the years, it's really hard to avoid sometimes, where you buy guys that are 
that are really well priced, that are cheap, that are fallen guns, and then you get your other guns in. But you'll get to a point where you go, okay, cool, gun X I'm going to get in this week now. It's come to a time where he's ripe. I've actually got no room. Like, there's no one that I can trade out aside from doing a super sideways trade of gun to gun or, you know, trading a Luke Thompson out three weeks after I bought him for 30k that I've made on him, you know, which is a really shit trade to have to make. But it's what you'll end up having to do if you don't be careful of loading up your spots and not actually having any outs to get the guys in that you need to. So that ha- that's happened to me multiple times. It'll probably happen to me again this year because I'll get excited about some guys not playing ahead enough. But that's one of the things with Luke Thompson. I'll tell you one more thing on, to, on him, actually, why I've got you, because it just flows into what you said about taking up a spot. When I talked about playing a Ryan James or something else, he, he's another reason that I would be thinking about that, is if you look at a Luke Thompson, if you think you're saving money with that, which you are, but if you're prepared to play Ryan James and not get Luke Thompson, you can get Satili Tupanua or even Josh Curran, who will probably outscore him or get the same as him. And in the second row, like that, that's a way, like by playing James or Stefano or someone for a week, if you want to save money, you could save like several hundred more by going to Satili Tupanua, who's bottomed out for way less and will almost definitely outscore Luke Thompson over a period of time, in my opinion. Um, and, yep. and, 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 you know, as long as Curran keeps those minutes up, he will as well. So you're taking a spot up where like, you can, if you're going, oh, this is a budget option, you're like, well, if Thompson gets 55 this week, take James's 40-something, and you might get 70 out of Curran or, or Satili. You know, is another spot in your squad if you're short by moving them in the second row and just being prepared to pinch hit at prop for that one week. And then you've got all that extra cash to get someone better than Thompson. It, it's, it's another way it takes a spot up is it's like, well, if you want to save money, you can save more money. Oh, look, it makes total sense. And one of the things with Luke Thompson, too, is he's the fifth most traded in player. So, you know, 4.2% of teams are trading him in at the moment, putting him at five on the top 10 trading list, which I don't not like because I do think he's a decent player. But I actually think that the teams that are best suited to trade him in are ones that already have most of these other options. Like, you know, there are teams that are going to already have Paulo at prop um, and TPJ at the second row spot and not want to spend on a pain Haas. And, but, you know, maybe have TKO a prop as well. And maybe we find out tomorrow that TKO is, is going to be ruled out. And those teams, you know, are pretty well done everywhere else for their 17 for this week. Those type of teams could go, okay, TKO out, Luke Thompson in, and I'm going to use that extra 80K to make stains a gun. You know, those are the type of trades where I think Luke Thompson in can work because he can sort of be that, I don't know, sort of sixth or seventh best forward if you've actually managed your team really well and you've got these other guys and you can kind of put him in there just to plug a bit of a hole. Yeah, I, I think that could work, uh, but that's probably the only time that I'm going to look at him. Uh, I couldn't look at him against some of these other guns that are not much more. No, that's fair. He'd be a second trade to allow you to do something else if you couldn't find the money for the other guys. Like if you desperately needed, you can't switch James into prop or you can't quite get yourself to play Stefano I probably would, but if you can't and you don't want to and you just – the only way you can make a really good trade work like getting stains into a 500-and-something case centre or doing something at fullback if you're not running two fullbacks or, like, whatever it may be, if that is the only way it works, then it won't kill you and he'll solid you up. But I wouldn't move – if I was, like – if your order of operations is to make a trade at prop and then to do something else, I would not make – if that's your first priority, pick someone else. That That's what I'd yeah. say. 
Yeah, that's fair enough. Look, the last front row forward option that we're going to just quickly throw on is uh, a little bit of a left field one in that no one's really talking about him now. He was a little bit of a rage at the start of the season, but he fell off, and that was Lindsay Collins. So he's a situational play if TKO gets gets ruled out for a few weeks. Now, I fully expected with TLT today, Luke, that, that um, TKO was going to get ruled out for uh, probably three weeks plus. Uh, especially when they said that it was in in a bad spot with his busted rib, where it was in danger of maybe hitting an organ or something like that. You know, I thought that he was no way he's going to play this week. As it stands, I still think that there's a 90% chance that, that TKO is not going to play this week. And if he doesn't play this week, um, I think NRL Physio said it's more like it's going to be a two to three week out. It's not really something that's going to be you know back next week even if he can't play this week because of the grading of it. So I busted my ribs before, and I remember when I did it. It was in a real bad spot. I got needled up at halftime. It did not work. It was still too painful. I got through that game. Like I got deep heat thrown on me. I ended up having to have a shower coming off on the sideline after I got that thrown on me because it was too much that they piled on. I put pads on there. It didn't work. I, I played the last 20 minutes of the game and felt like I wanted to die afterwards, and I missed about a month of footy. Obviously, I'm not an NRL player, but I've done so many things to my body playing footy, and that rib damage was one of the most painful things I can remember. Um, I would be very surprised if TKO plays this week. If we get a a sense that he's out for three weeks, someone like Collins is really interesting to me, and I'm actually going to maybe move on him. Reason being is because he's shown in his minutes that he can be really, really good. He's only 449,000. He's got a 65 BE, so he's about ripe for a purchase if you know his role is going to be good. He came back after two weeks off, scored 58 points in 44 minutes. But at the start of the year, he ended up playing more minutes than what he normally does, where he played 62 minutes and 51 minutes the first two weeks, and he produced scores of 63 and 75 points. Now, when we go back to last year, there was actually only two games where he had 50-plus minute games, and they were 52 minutes and 55 minutes. For those games, he scored 106 points and 60 points. Now, the 106 included a try, but even if you take that out, it's a stellar performance. So, for me, if if TKO is out, Collins is going to be a huge beneficiary and a huge value buy for at least a few weeks, um, and he's going to make big money then. And even after that, the thing I like about him is that you can probably hold him for an extra week or two and take his points because he's probably going to still score okay where he's not going to bleed cash. It's Obviously, you're going to be getting rid of him for that buy, but I think with some of these guys, you're going to be anyway. So if TKO is out and you can't afford these other guys, I could see Lindsay Collins outscoring Clemmer and Paulo. Like, it, it could happen if he ends up with, you know, 58 minutes a game over the next three or four weeks. Yeah, it's not impossible. I, I just, I, I would take Thompson over him purely because if, if TKO is named this week and is pulled out, um, I just don't think you're going to get the sort of clarity you want. You're not going to actually be told it's three weeks. He's going to be named next week and may, yeah, or may, yeah. may or may not play. And you really are not going to know. That's uh, if, if he's the same price as Thompson and you just don't know whether it's going to be next week, the week after or whatever else, I'd rather just take Thompson and not stress about it because um, you'll be annoyed, you know, when TKO doesn't play for a month. But if he plays next week and, you know, um, Lindsay's back to not doing quite as much, and then Origin comes around, whereas Thompson obviously is no concern with that. I, I would, yeah, probably only because of that. I just don't think you'll get that sort of surety. Um, TKO, it's an interesting one. Look at the TKO stuff. Like, I'm not an expert um, on any of that, but my um, my wife is a physio, and I asked her a bit about it. And when, I, when they were saying on the night, like, the concern was if it was broken, I guess, like, 
then it was in a bad spot. But it, they, now they're saying it's a, like the way that the Roosters were framing it was just weird because it was like it was a moderate rib injury, but it wasn't actually broken. So then I'm like, I don't know if the organ damage still comes into it then once it's not, you know, it was in a bad spot if it was broken, but now it's not broken. I don't know if it's literally just a pain management issue or or what, or not that I'm saying the pain wouldn't be significant, just um, I don't know if that takes the safety element out of it or, or it not. It does, um, yeah. It takes the safety stuff out of it if it's not broken. Um, but it means it's probably rib cartilage, which means it's exceptionally painful. Mm. So it'll be one of those things where they, they might needle him, but it's not really, it, it cannot do a lot, even if it's needled. So he might be past the risk stage of anything happening, which I'd say he is, and that's why he's named. But it's a matter of, you know, how painful it's going to be, which could mean as well that even if he plays, and this is a risk in holding him, holding him I guess, he could play and, and throw up a 40-minute game because it's quite painful, and they've got Lindsay Collins as a really good backup that they can lean on. So even if he ends up playing, it could end up being a risky couple of weeks for him. Yeah, that's true. It depends on where Hargraves was in a bit of doubt as well, so it'll depend on him, I think. Um, I'll tell you, it, 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 that the other thing at the moment is they're so stretched that I think that even if he, if, if they were to have another loss in the next two weeks, I think you'll see him back anyway. Um, if he doesn't play and, and St. George were to get past them or Newcastle, heaven forbid, were to get past them. Um, <laughs> because, you know, like it's one of those things. It's the Roosters, I still think, are a good team, and I think they'll be okay over the course of the year. But they do have now have some holes and some inexperience. And what that means is that you just have games where it doesn't work out right, and that's normal. Um, you'll have games where you know, Verrills hasn't been playing rugby league and all of a sudden him and Walker are, are in the most key positions in the team and they just haven't been playing. Walker's barely played in his life and, and Verrills is out. So if they have an off week or two when they've already lost a game, it'll, I think that Robbo will start to go, I need to, you know, we, we need to stop playing the softly, softly. And if you can get a needle in it and play, we need all of our, our guys out there. So that could happen as well. It's just hard to say. Um, we just need to wait for late mail on that one, really, to be honest. Where If he's going to play, I would risk his minutes being down because I'd say they'll be managed for a week or two and he'll come back. And I don't really think it's worth a trade in that position, particularly as he kicks goals. So if they come out and score three, yeah, I talked about them maybe losing, but um, I don't actually think they'll lose this game. And it, like, what if he comes out and kicks three goals and plays 40 minutes and that's 60 anyway, you know? So yeah. That's, that's the other thing is he, as a goal kicker, he's got ways out of that as well by, you know, Teddy goes over for a hat trick in the first half an hour under the post and he's added 12 to his 30, 40 base and you're out of jail anyway. Yeah, I tend to agree with it. I mean, I guess it's sort of, I think there's two different strategies and either of them I think is sound. You know, you could go with either and I don't think anyone could argue with them. But if you are going to do the strategy of holding TKO, um, even if he's going to be playing busted and even if he's going to play reduced minutes, you can't be disappointed if in the next two weeks he has subpar scores and subpar minutes. And you can't just trade him out for a 70k loss over the next two weeks because he's had that bad two weeks you have to be getting on board with the fact that that is a very high possibility and that you're now playing long term with him that you're not going to burn a trade by getting him out and that he is going to come good in a few weeks time and then for the few weeks after you're going to benefit from his points and everything and in fact I'd even be looking ahead and saying well if I'm going to get through that sort of patch and this is kind of the same as my, how puzzled I was at Matto owners, you know, a week ago looking at trading him when he was maybe going to play. It's like, well, you've held him for three weeks when he's been out. Like, what's, you know, why, why are you trading him this week? You know, he could actually play this week sort of thing. So I think that that's a decision you've got to make early on with this stuff. So decide now, you know, are you going to hold TKO for the long haul? Um, and accept the next few weeks could be bad? 
or you're going to punt him now. You know, it's one of the two. One of the things of punting him now, if he gets ruled out and you decide that you have to have someone, even though they're, you know, late game Sunday afternoon, uh, you could punt him straight to a Collins. And if you need to do that for points or you're having a really bad round or there's just sort of no one that you can replace him with, you could do a trade there if you save one of them going, you know, an hour before kickoff, go straight from TKO to Lindsay Collins, who's going to be the direct beneficiary of TKO being ruled out. You know, and that's a move that you could kind of make if you're worried about that happening and you don't think your team can actually deal with it. Yeah, that's a good point. That That's a good point. Look, I think the thing with him is uh, I, I keep leaning towards holding him and uh, I, there's a difference in situations here is that you only have him. I have him and Tino. So to me, I'm just not prepared to make two trades at prop. Like I would rather, and if you've got Tino and SST, I would probably say the same. I, I've, I'm going to play one busted prop there or one cheaper prop like a Ryan James, um, hopefully with an SST. But if not, I'll probably make some other arrangement. I'm just not prepared to spend my two trades. You talk about like this is a week to move and everything. I'm not prepared to spend two of them on props. I'm not getting rid of SST and Tino. It's too much um, in a position that just won't give me enough. Um, so, or if I was to do it, it won't be for two props. I'll need to use my jewels and move into a, you know, a voltage position. So I guess that's the other thing is we talk about, you know, why would you hold a guy if he's going to maybe be playing injured and maybe lose the minutes? And the reason I would consider it is if you're already trading Tino and you don't have the right jewels to be getting them both out, that it's prop sucks. And I just don't want to spend two there. If in your situation, I totally understand when you're not dealing with Tino, why you might move SST on it. I probably wouldn't have any dramas with that if I didn't have both. Yep. Well, that's a good deep dive into the, the front row forward conundrum for this week. Um, one of the other things in Market Watch that we're going to segue straight into is that there is the second most traded in player at the moment on Market Watch that is also front row forward eligible. And uh, that's Isaiah Papali'i. And Papali'i is interesting because, you know, me and Luke have spoken about Clemmer and Paulo having down fortnights, but, you know, now really cheap and people are ignoring them. Neither of them are getting traded in. Um, Tavita Pengai Jr. is a huge upside player that's just played 80 minutes on an edge. He's not getting traded in. Payne Haas, as a reliable um, known gun of the last two seasons, it's averaged around 75 over the last two years. Nobody's trading him in. You know, but Isaiah Papali'i is the number one front row forward, second row forward getting traded in. Uh, and just behind all players just behind Tom Trebojevic as far as all players being traded in. So 8.2% of coaches are jumping on Papali'i at 633,000 after he's just gone up 101,000 after Madison has been named in the extended bench and after he's coming in with uh, quite a reasonable break-even still as well of minus 10 granted so he can still make money. But... Uh, he's, let's just get out of the way, Luke. He's had a phenomenal season, averaging 84.5 points. That could go immediately as soon as Madison returns. It could be this week. It could be the next week. Who knows? But when Maddo is back, Papa Lee is going to get kneecapped completely as an option. I have not understood the Papa Lee trade-ins for three weeks now because each week Madison was meant to come back. It has ended up coming good. And I don't want to sound like I'm not congratulating guys that have jumped on. You've done really well. He's made 225k on his starting price. He's scored fantastic. He's looked great. It's been a great, successful trade-in. However, a lot of trade-ins end up just being lucky. And some of them you go in hoping that you're lucky, and that's fine. You know, if you hit some luck, great. That's part of Supercoach. This is a lucky trade-in. 
you know, by all accounts, he was going to be out as soon as Madison was back. And every week, Madison, we were told, was back. Yeah, you know, it, it was a lucky trading that's worked out. I think people are pushing their luck, bringing him in now at 633,000, even with a minus 10 VE, especially when Madison could come into the side as early as this week. It's totally insane to pay more than Payne Haas for him. Like, it really is. It's totally insane. You, you want to know something that people have totally overlooked in that? Like, this is like, I've got his scores up at the moment. He didn't even play 80 minutes in, in two of those four games on the edge. Mm. He played 74 against the Sharks and 69 against the Dragons. Now, I get that it doesn't matter if you score 109, how many minutes you do it in, but um, law of averages, like, you know, he got a try in that game. He got a line break, a line break assist. You know, it, that's not going to happen if you're not on the field all the time, right? It, it He's not playing 80 all the time. Madison's due back. The only thing it possibly has going for it is that he has an incredibly hot hand and that they're playing the Broncos and the Bulldogs. That That's, you know, it's a dumb trade. It will most likely he'll go back to scoring 55 like most edges, um, and, you know, if he scores 90 against Brisbane, you'll be going sucked in at work and these guys on the podcast were, were bagging him, but I was right. And I'll go, well, no, that's always possible that people score and he's playing a bad team. You're paying a hell of a lot of money for that chance. Hell of a lot of money. And it's 630 you're, you're paying a lot of money for that chance for one week because, mm. you know, all the future weeks, he, he could be half that scoring and you've you've spent that money on someone that is a short-term 90 points instead of a you know, a longer-term 90-point type of guy that's going to do it multiple times in TPJ that's 100,000 less. Like, you speak about um, not wanting to pay 100K more than the other gun options of a Paulo and a Clemmer to a Haas. You know, people are paying 100K more than those guys to go to an Isaiah Papali'i. It just... It's, no. it's completely no. insane. Like, you're, like Luke said, you're paying more than paying Haas. You could end up short-term satisfaction, but you're going to end up with long-term, you know, self-hatred and loathing by doing something <laughs> like this. So just don't go for the instant gratification. You don't want to hate yourself, you know, in three or four weeks' time for doing this, and you will, because yeah, you know, it's going to be burning a trade. To, you, you're costing yourself a trade to get him in now, and you're going to cost yourself another trade in two or three weeks probably to get him out. That's two trades to get points that you could get from somebody else that's going to cost you less. You know, there is no way I slice it that it actually makes sense. The only out for people that are buying him this week is that you could get lucky again. Maybe Madison gets ruled out for six weeks. But you can't buy just based on luck or hope. You know, like, if you own him for this week, well done if you got him a few weeks ago. You've done fantastic. You're going to want to play him this week. He'll go well against the Broncos pack anyway, but do not buy him. He should not be the second most player traded in. Yep. <laughs> let's talk. Let's talk about the fullbacks, mate, because we're going to have a quick chat about fullbacks before we move on, um, and not a deep dive like we did in the front row forward because we've already done that with the fullbacks on this podcast. But this is a week where Latrell Mitchell and Pappenhausen are both out, so it's become a very strategic round for fullbacks. It has meant that Tom Trevojevic is fifteen percent top traded in player of the week. He's five hundred ninety-three k. I think that nobody would have suggested that Travojevic would have returned with the type of game that he had. Um, I don't I don't think even his biggest fan would have thought that he was going to come in and absolutely blitz it like he did. In fact, I don't even think anybody would have even tipped Tom Travojevic's team 
to even win last weekend, let alone blitz Gold Coast by 40 odd points. You know, it was just uh, it was just a phenomenal, strange game where he scored 116 points in 72 minutes, and I think that he was on 100 at half time as well. So he had a quintessential Trevojevic 16 point second half, but he just killed it. And he's obviously under 600k, so you're going to make like almost 300k getting Pappenhausen out to him if you were that way inclined. You're going to be able to do a straight swap from Latrell Mitchell to Tom Trevojevic if, you know, you've got Latrell and he's out for a few weeks. So it's very appealing. But Kalen Ponger also absolutely blitzed him on the weekend to a couple of games in. 708000 looking at his first price rise this week. The difference is he's going to be playing Penrith, so it's a pretty hard one. But he's only got a BE of 26, and he's in 1% of teams. He's coming off an insane 163 points he scored against the Sharks on the weekend. I didn't even think that he scored that much. I, I thought that I looked and it was 140 or something. 163, scored 66 in the Gold Coast game. Um, had the match winner against the Sharkies, Luke. So you would have been absolutely cheering about Ponga, and I don't think that you would have expected Turbo either. So, I mean, what this has done now is that we've got two prime fullbacks out in Pappenhausen and Latrell. Latrell's out long-term, so I think he's a definite trade. Pappenhausen is only probably going to be one week. So, you know, maybe you're going to be, you're probably going to be holding him, but NRL physio said it's a couple of weeks. Uh, and then you've got Teddy here, where if you didn't own Teddy and you're planning on getting him, he's all of a sudden now 689,000, almost 200,000 cheaper than he started at and coming off two games of 57 to 40, which isn't good, but he's playing the St. George Illawarra Dragons on an Anzac Day clash that the Roosters traditionally do get up for. So, there's all these fullback logjam options that you can't fit all of, and some teams are going to have no fullback playing if they got the Latrell Pap build. You know, what do you do, Luke? Um, you need two. You need two. And if we get any word Pappenhausen's out for more than one, I'd have a serious think about even moving him on. I've been thinking about it all day. You, you need two because they all score 150. Um, I can't. I can't sit there with with one of them and and benching Pappenhausen and watching someone else rock out. 150 out of the one I'm not there. It wrecks my whole rank. You've got to have a look at it. Um, I think that we need to... I have never been up for this, but I think you need to full back flip all year. I think you need to chase the draw and you need to be having the two of these four in that have the best draws at any given time. Um, you need to be looking at who's got to run when. Um, you need to look at stuff like Tedesco has three very hard games after Origin 1 and that Robbo's uh, rotation Robinson um, time of year will come in and they're struggling a bit anyway. Um, you know, they, they might not do that well in those games with a few Origin players out and you need to rotate your four fullbacks, I think, this year. And um, Tom Travojevic has the Tigers at Bank West in a day game. He then plays Penrith in a day game. It's not a great game for him, but it's a day game. And he plays the New Zealand at home in a day game. And then he plays Brisbane at Suncorp. Um, and then he goes into Parramatta and Newcastle and then into Origin. Now, I would not talk anyone out of getting him for that run, particularly if it's for Latrell Mitchell. But I'd be watching Pappenhausen News pretty closely. He wasn't even named this week. That's not a good sign. Um, he the word from sort of Wacko was saying that he won't play until he can get through without a needle. And he's not even named this week. So they're not even thinking he's close on a Tuesday to play on a Sunday. And they're playing, you know, Cronulla next week at home and they're going to win this week against New Zealand, I would have thought. And I don't see why he needs to come back a week early next week. There's every chance he has a couple out. And if that happens, you know, you leave every time the fullbacks are the only guys in the game that will get 150 to 200 here 
um, David Fafita got a hat trick and didn't tick 150, and all of these guys can do it. And I do not like not having two of them. Um, I think you need if you, you you can't sit Latrell, you've got to get him into one of these guys, and you've got to watch the Pappenhausen news quite seriously. With um, the, you know, if you want to risk just having Teddy, if you've got Teddy Pap. I get that because Penrith next week, you, oh, you could cross your fingers against the Tigers and then Tommy's got Penrith and then Kalen's got a hard draw. But, you know, Tigers, Penrith, New Zealand Broncos for Tommy Travojevic versus, you know, Pappenhausen maybe going duck egg, duck egg. It's a big thought, isn't it? Look, the thing that I can't get over as well with all of that is that you could trade Pappenhausen and Latrell having those two guys initially looking at this week going, shit, I'm in massive trouble. Like, I'm, I I can't believe how, how screwed I am for this round. You could go from feeling like that to going, I own Tom Trevojevic and James Tedesco now, and I have change to spend the following week. <laughs> I have leftover money after having what was the preferred two fullbacks for round one traded into my side for what I've got that is currently dead wood for this round. That is insane to me. And to like Tom Trevojevic with his draw, Tedesco with his upcoming draw as well, which has been very underrated from the Roosters side of things. Both of those guys, I think, are front runners to be getting in your side. But with Trevojevic as well, he he's in 1% of teams at the moment. Even if the, it stays steady at 15% of teams trading him in for this round as it currently stands, he's only going to be 16% owned. And that's not very much at all. Like... That's a really, really good pod move to get him in. He's 6% over pod, but not too much. And James Tedesco, you know, he's in 40% of teams, but heaps of them are trading him out. You know, he could be in 30% of teams by the end of this round, strangely enough, playing St. George Illawarra. Both of those guys, I think, are the value picks for fullback for right now and for the immediate draw in the next month. I don't care how bad James Tedesco has gone. He's got some really good games coming up, and Tedesco is not going to keep going how he's been going. And it's that whole law of averages thing I was saying before. There is an odd occasion where somebody goes on a run and all of a sudden that's who they become. And you go, oh, okay, this guy's fallen off his perch. He's no longer the guy that he used to be. That normally happens when guys get old or they just were, you know, had a, an amazing 2009 Hayne season for a year and then just died and, and came back to being an average player sort of thing. It's not going to happen with James Tedesco at the peak of his powers when he's coming up against the Dragons, Newcastle, Para and then hits both the Cowboys and Broncos back to back. You know, like that's that's a pretty good run the next five rounds for the Roosters. And we've already spoken about Turbo's run. The thing that takes Ponga out of it, which is crazy with a guy that's going 166 points last round, is that he's got Penrith, uh, the Roosters, and Canberra, and both and Penrith is at Penrith and Canberra is at Canberra. So two out of the next three away in pretty hard away trips for them. You know, the Newcastle draw just kills him for the next three weeks. I don't care how good he is. So for me, I would be getting Turbo and Teddy in if I didn't have them. That that would be my moves. And if I had to play Ryan James at front row forward, like we spoke about before, to do that, I would do that. Yeah, that's why I'm looking at going cheap in the front row is I'm going to get Trebojevic in. Um, and I think people should look at it pretty hard. Um, I'm looking at it. I would never get... If you don't own Tedesco... I'm not sure which way you'd go. You probably have to go Tommy, but Teddy, you need to get him in. I've got no worries about that. He's got the Dragons coming up. They just leaked 100 to Tuovasa Shek. They leaked 74 to Gutherson in a game that they absolutely pizzled Parramatta in. Um, and then, you know, he's got Newcastle, Parramatta, and he's got the Cowboys and the Broncos. You need to ride him into the origin. And then 
I'll flip Teddy. I think you want to let him go after the they've got a tough run in the middle of the Origin, but I think you've got to flip him this year. I think you want Teddy now. I understand holding Pap, and if he misses a week, you're in front. I think if you held him, even if Tommy goes off this week, the fact that Tommy's got Penrith next week, you're probably in front. But if Pap misses two, and then you've had Tom Travojevic play the Tigers, hopefully go okay against Penrith, and then all of a sudden you've got those two scores. And then you've got New Zealand Broncos run, you know. I've even heard a few people, and I was talking to, to um, a couple of guys today, talk about, well, you could get, you could flip Turbo back to Pappenhausen in a couple of weeks. And it's like, guys, let's hold our horses here. I was like, do you know how short a time period Pappenhausen has been better in Supercoach than Tom Trevojevic is? Because <laughs> I do, and it's a month, and Tom Trevojevic wasn't playing. Like That's the only time he has ever been better than him. And full props to Pappenhausen, and he may finish with a higher average. He's killing it, but he scored nearly every game. And Turbo's back, and I'm sorry, but forget recency blinds. Dude, Turbo's, is, Turbo's a better player than him. He's not in as good a team, so he doesn't get as many freebies, but Turbo's a better player, and he's back. And, you know, you don't need to flip him back to Pappenhausen, not when he's playing New Zealand and the Broncos when Pappenhausen might be coming back. Put it that way. Oh, um, I would flip him over Origin. I think with his hammy, I think when he, if, if Turbo makes the centres in Origin, you need to dump him and, and go back to Pappenhausen, who'll play on the bench and probably back up every week. That's what I'd yeah. say. And that's yeah. the thing, too. They're both going to play Origin anyway. Mm. And the thing as well is that it's it's almost exactly to the dollar, $300,000 you make by going Pappenhausen to Turbo. Like, that's insane. Like, that is, that is turning Stefano at front row forward into whoever you want. Like, it, it's it's amazing that you're going to get $300,000 out of, uh, from going Pappenhausen to Turbo. Both of those guys can do very similar. And when we're talking about value for, you know, points for a dollar, you know, that's, that's a huge win for Turbo when you're looking at it that way. I'm not saying Pappenhausen is not going to be a better player for the season. He may very well be, but it's not going to be a 300000 difference as far as a better player. Um, I'll say, though, Pappenhausen is the sixth most traded out on market watch. James Tedesco is the eighth. Pappenhausen is understandable. You know, he's out a week. It's a lot of money on the sideline. You can have a heap of change to upgrade an absolute dud to a gun somewhere else. It does make sense. Like Luke said, you can play the roulette wheel on fullback, and I think that's a fine strategy. It does not make any sense to me if you've copped 154000 loss on James Tedesco and he's coming up against the St. George Illawarra Dragons this week and he has a pretty good run over the next five it does not make sense for me for me at all if you're trading him out. So I don't get that one. I no, do I want think to. That'll tra- I think that'll change. I would say that that's been done for people before team lists. I think when people didn't know Pappenhausen was out. Um, if it doesn't give yourself an uppercut, I have no idea why you'd be trading him out this week. Um, but yeah, I'd say I wouldn't have traded him anyway, obviously. But I'd say that we might get a lot of reversals from people now that thought they had decided they were going to go to Turbo or Ponga with Pappenhausen. Um, and I, you know, I, I think that'll change if we have a look in a couple of days. Yeah, that's fair. And look, that that could happen. I I actually don't think it will though with Teddy, you know, I actually think Teddy's numbers will go up. I think people are looking to trade him. Uh, and I think that's great for people that are going to hold him. Um, when we're looking at the other traded ins, so going straight to the, the rest of market watch without talking about the strategy now that we have for front row forward and fullback in particular, there's there's a couple of cheapies left and then there's a couple of guns left and it's interesting having a look at them. So Simkin and Curran, uh, people are going early on, but both of them looked really good. Uh, I guess both of them had the risk of only playing the one game, Luke, 
but both of them had the upside of both looking like exceptional footballers. I've been a Josh Curran fan forever. He came through the Roosters junior system. Uh, he, he looked gold. He was meant to be one of our forwards of the future, and we had to let him go because we couldn't afford all of them, and we had the Butcher brothers and that coming through, Satili coming through. We just couldn't play him. I really liked him. I was surprised it's taken him this long to sort of get a starting spot, but we've got Bailey Searin on the bench. Um, we've also, you know, got a coach in Nathan Brown that might swap it around, and we've only seen Curran start for one week. So there's a risk going early for sure. Um, Simkin as well, you know, Little wasn't in the side. There's a risk that maybe he comes back, but both of them look like really good footballers. So I guess people are a bit more confident in just going early, even just to get the downgrade money. Yeah, if you're using that to get Tom Travojevic or, you know, um, James Tedesco or to fix a prop because you've decided to go that way, because, you know, it is still a viable strategy to do that, that's when I would make those moves. So if you're doing that, I think they're relatively safe. Um, Simpkin is safer, but also he's a bit harder to do unless you're carrying little still. If you're doing little, great, but um, I wouldn't be trading Watson or, or Braley or, or Schuster to him yet. I'd be waiting. Um, if you're trading Moylan to him, that's a great idea. But um, depends who you're trading there. Curran, again, I, I would – he couldn't have done anything more. I watched all that game. If, if Nathan Brown moves him, Nathan Brown is even dumber than than a former Knights fan thinks he might be. But, I mean, <laughs> he, he moved Kalen Pong at a 5'8", so uh, we'll leave that at that. But um, he couldn't have impressed more. He didn't miss any tackles. He did all of his job really well, and he looked a robust football player. So it would be bizarre if he was moved, but it could happen. So I would wait. I wouldn't make those trades for the sake of getting those guys in, but if that's getting you something you need this week, um, like those big moves we talked about, then I'm on board with it. And the other thing I'd say about Curran is he plays in the last game. So he's also... It probably doesn't matter as much now that Pappenhausen's out because I was looking at Curran that I was thinking of trading him in so that if Pappenhausen was named and then withdrawn, I could have played Curran. Um, so I guess that just comes in. If you've got a guy late that's in a bit of doubt, and there are a few this week, that that's where Curran might be able to come in handy that he can pump him onto your bench because he does play last. So that's pretty viable this week too with a few guys being needled up and a few guys in doubt and stuff. So, yeah, but... Overall, I think they'd probably be okay because they really look like they can play, both of them. Yeah, I, I agree. They both look really good. It's an interesting one because one of the other cheapies that he's getting traded in is Benjamin Condon. Now, Condon is 50k more than current because he's just had a 73,000 price rise. So I jumped on him last week um, because I thought that the floor was still pretty good. If things didn't work out for him, it worked out great. He scored 72 points, um, made 73K in one week. He now has a minus 39 BE. So I get why teams are jumping on now, even though he's just had a big rise. He still has the risk of, you know, Mitch Dunn hanging around, of him not getting the minutes that he needs or even getting benched in the next couple of weeks. But his negative BE probably doesn't make that, you know, a viable worry as much if you're happy just to take a short-term cash grab. I guess the question is, Luke, you know, do you spend 50k more to get money right now being made? Uh, or do you take the riskier option and grab a car after one game knowing that you have to wait a few, but you save the 50k? You know, it's, it's a little bit of a toss-up. Uh, depends if you're playing him, because Curran could probably get 60 points um, and out of his backside if he plays, uh, if he's starting, which he is. So, um if you, and there's a lot of guys short this week, so if you're, you know, scrambling to fix four or five guys out of your team and you can only replace two, um, Curran, you know, makes 
some sense there. Um, that I, I would do that. I would prefer. I wouldn't buy uh, Condon now. I got him last week as well. I wouldn't do it now. The only exception I would make for that is something like, um, you know, if you've got Tino, for example, if you're thinking, well, I can flip James or I can flip some other jewel I've got up to prop, bring Tino down to Condon and, you know, use the money that makes plus the money Condon makes next week to get someone next week. You know what I mean? Like if you've got a short-term plan to say, I'm 100K short of getting to Payne Haas, but if I go Tino down to, to Condon and he goes up by 60K this week and I keep the profit so I can bump him back up, like something short move like that, I don't mind flips like that. I planned one with um, Teague Wilton, which I'm now back burning because he's still starting and still going well, but I planned that the other week. I was like, I'm going to have him for two weeks and then I'm going to flip him to a centre really quickly via one of my jewels by just copying the 100K because that's all I'm going to need, um, you know, once I, I downgraded to him. And I don't mind things like that, but longer term, I'd rather have current, and I think you should prioritise that unless you really need to make an upgrade really quickly with it too. Yeah, look, I'm going to make a big call on current, and I'm going to say if he starts and plays 80 minutes for the season, he's actually going to be a gun. He's going to be a $200,000 priced gun right now for the rest of the season if he starts and plays 80 because he will score 60 plus he's he's that talented and he does his talent is through his work ethic and when you get guys that can do their points through work and through their raw base it's a much bigger guarantee that they're going to work out especially early on when they're just rookies or, or young players that haven't played much so I, I, I like him whether that happens or not is a big question the last guy I want to touch on with the top 10 traded most traded in players is Harry Grant now he's been traded in by almost 3% of coaches at the moment. And I'm really torn on this one, Luke. So I'm really interested in what you think because I I couldn't say to someone, don't do it because he's Harry Grant and he's just such a great player. He's coming off scoring 71 points a game last year. He's only had two games back and he's already averaging 82, scoring 66 and 98 points the last two weeks. With the 98 coming against the Roosters, and you know, even though they won by a bit, it wasn't an absolute smash-up. Uh, he's he's playing great, but he's coming off the bench. He's played 53 and 47 minutes the last two weeks. Brandon Smith is still there, still the starting hooker, and he's only got a 38 base, Harry Grant, and he's still going to cost you 633000 and he's got a 67 BE this week. Like, Do you think it's a mistake, or do you think it's a, a pretty savvy move to get like a, a real good pot in that's only going to be a few percent owned? No, I don't think it's a savvy move. I think he's so good he could save you from your own stupidity because there's no basis. <laughs> uh, I really did. There's no basis for buying a hooker in rugby league that plays 50 minutes in Supercoach ever. There's no basis for that. There has never been one that uh, never that you would buy on 50 minutes. James Seguiaro at one point was buyable at 65 minutes because he was mad. Like he was really tearing it up. Offloads everywhere, and, tries everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he kept scoring from dummy half like every week um, and stuff like that. But basically by trying to do it every week from dummy half and no one ever stopping it. But um, 50 minutes isn't enough and he's going to play State of Origin very comfortably. Um, so he's going to probably get managed because Brendan Smith won't play Origin because he's Kiwi. So you're going to get into the buy rounds and you're going to have him going off for Queensland. He is roll gold on to be the Queensland hooker and he's going to come back and they have an NRL class hooker already there. So why would he play 80 minutes over the buys? 
um, and he's not playing them now. So when's he playing them? You know, like if he gets back to it at 9, 10, 11, you get three or four weeks of him at 80 minutes and he'll probably score well. Then he's back down to 50 minutes, might even have a week off in there somewhere. And then, you know, the odds are that he won't do any good, like to be honest with you. Like, I mean, he, he'll save himself because he's Harry Harry Grant. But like last week, for example, he got, sorry, against the Bulldogs in round five, he got a try assist, a try contribution and a line break assist. So we're talking... Like, that's 24 points in attack stats to get a 66. Like, you can't be praying for 24 attack points just to get to 60. See, it's like buying a winger and praying he scores to get to 50. It's not enough. You need guys that have the base built into their game to then it's cream when they attack. And he isn't. He doesn't have that base with those minutes. Unfortunately, at the moment, it's it doesn't make sense. No, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Uh, I, I'm not looking at him at all. Uh, look, if he can kind of get lucky or just because, Brett, because you know, Harry Grant is so good, like Luke said, that maybe he goes on a run and saves you from making a mistake in buying him, then that's great. But it's just it's a risk that you don't need to take and it's a low percentage play that you don't need to make either. Uh, the traded out guys on Market Watch, we don't need to talk about because we've already mentioned them all, and they all actually make sense this week. So well done, everyone in the Supercoach community. You're <laughs> trading out all the guys that you should. Uh, let's go through uh, the matchups this week, and we're going to go through it quickly where we're going to look at the matchup for gun of interest and pot of interest and vice else or captaincy interest. So Panthers versus Knights is the first one. Um Coruscant and Edwards are both in the extended squad, so they could be a bit stronger, the Panthers, to, for this matchup against the Knights. Conversely, uh, we don't really have many changes for the Knights side that is going to be uh, super coach relevant, Luke. So just going straight to it with this one, mate. Um, the gun that I'm interested in is the gun I'm interested in every week, and that is Brian Toto. He didn't score last week. Law of averages to me says he's going to score this week. My VC is going to go straight on Nathan Cleary, and I'm not even going to think about it. I looped it last week. I reckon I might be looping it again this week. And I think both of those guys uh, are going to carve it up this week. I am going to have to mention a pod, and I'm going to begrudgingly admit that I knew it was a massive risk last week, but for 400k, I just did it and bought in Stephen Crichton just to try and get him to get across the line for a try. It didn't happen. He threw up 40 points. I'm hoping he's going to get across the line this week. 375k is a bargain basement pod. All of my guys for this game are all on the Panthers side, mate. I'm, I'm sorry to say, but I'm not much on your nights for this one. No, me either. I, I did get... I lost my head enough after we beat Cronulla that I have bought tickets and I'm driving to Penrith for two and a half hours to go. So hopefully all those people you mentioned don't score, like all of them. But uh, yeah, I'm on Cleary VC. I'm not going to... I straight captained him last week and I'm, I'm happy with it, but I'm not going to do it again. But I will vice-captain him. And I think Toto will score well. Wingers, uh, Newcastle is having a lot of trouble on the edges. A lot of trouble. A lot of the tries are to wingers and centres. Um, or to edge second rowers as well. They're having, they're not going too bad in the middle, but they're really struggling to defend shifts. And I wouldn't be surprised if Stain scores as well, but I'm pretty confident Toa will probably untouched. They're really struggling on those edges. Yeah, look, Toa is a special this week. He's going to absolutely carve up. And I will say with the VC on Nathan Cleary, um, I, I'm not going to see him either, but his highest score ever was against the Newcastle Knights of 186 points. 
So, so was everyone's, to be fair. You know how bad they were? <laughs> so was everyone's. No, well, look, I, I don't think it would be a bad idea to straight captain him. I'm not doing it, but if someone told me they were, I'd be like, fair play. I, if I look across the matchups, there is nothing wrong with doing that. Interesting one for you. Um, on the night side of things, like if you do think the Knights are going to get towed up a bit, um, would you not play a Connor Watson and a little bit more left field? Would you even bench a Jaden Braley if you had like two hookers that were good? Uh, no, Braley's making 50 tackles in tight games. And I mean, this might not be a tight game, but a, I mean, a tough game for Newcastle. Even um, if you have a look like through last week, he was his first time in a while. He didn't get six or well, his first time all year. He didn't get 60. And it was because he made 52 tackles against the Gold Coast, in a you know, where we conceded 30. He still made 46 tackles, missing one. So that base is already there. And he's ha- he's had an offload four of the five weeks. He's had three line breaks across it and he's um, setting up a lot of tries. Like he's had three tries in six weeks and they're the sort of tries we still might get B Penrith. Like what he's doing is he's got that little Cameron Smith bread and butter play where he's coming out near the line with the ball out in front and hitting guys on nice angles to crash over from short and stuff like that. And the reason that works even against good teams is what they're doing is they're getting someone like Frizzell to dig in and take a big run near the try line, quick play the ball and Braley's quite clever. So he's always a chance to do that. And if he's already making the worst tackles he's made all year are 43. So if he's going to make between 40 and 50 tackles and look to put a guy over short the whole game. I think you need to play him. Watson played 65 minutes last week with food poisoning and made 48 tackles So and started for the first time. So I think if he's on the field for 60-plus minutes, um, 64 minutes he played, I think you need to have him in your team because he's Connor Watson. And if he's going to make 40-plus tackles plus be Connor Watson, I don't think we're strong enough yet this week to be making those calls. Maybe in a month you might think about that, but I'd be surprised if you've got the depth to play someone better. Yeah, Connor Watson, I'm actually torn on 50-50, to be honest. Like, I, I, and I guess, you know, I could play Sam Walker for a bounce-back game against the Dragons, or I could play Connor Watson for an away game at Panthers Stadium. And that's kind of the conundrum that I'm at. I don't mind that choice. If that's your choice, I'm playing both of those people. I don't mind something like that, but I wouldn't be looking at your team trying to find a way to leave him out of 17, that's all. Yeah, no, I agree. I think the Panthers are going to win 13-plus in this one, uh, but my mm. top sport bet of the week is going to definitely be Brian Toto. Now, I said that he didn't score last week. He's a dollar eighty this week on top sport. You will not get better odds anywhere else than a dollar eighty for Toto to score this week. Get on that one. That's a great bet. Titans versus Rabbits is the next game. Now, the Titans side, the big news is that obviously Tino's out, which we mentioned. Uh, Mo Fodawaka starts for him, which is a pretty handy replacement. Um, for the Rabbits, the big news for Supercoach is that we've got Latrell out, which means Alex Johnson's at fullback. That's huge news if you own Alex Johnson, because um, he's going to be great at fullback for you. Uh, Mansour is out. That's not going to be a, a bad for South. I don't think he hasn't been playing that well. I don't think anyone owns him at this point really at all. Um, but it does mean that Gagai is to the wing with Masters to centre. Now, traditionally, Gagai has been better as a winger um, at times, but he's been playing pretty well at centre. If you just ask Wilfred about it, he'll tell you he's been averaging 65 <laughs> the last three weeks that he brought him in. So I've already had that, had to wear that gloat um, today and even yesterday. So um, Broken clocks right twice a day. <laughs> but this Titans-Rabbits matchup, now, as far as the gun, um, the gun that everyone has to talk about here is going to definitely be David Fafita because he's one of the best players in the game now. He's absolutely carving it up. Even last week, he was on about three points 20 minutes in, and 
in about a 15-minute period, he managed to go three offloads and four tackle breaks, and that just instantly put him into, he's going to be fine, it's a gun score. And he ended up being really safe and hitting around a 75-point score that saved a lot of captainers. Now, people are going to look at this and say, you know, as a gun, Fafita's coming up against a pretty hot rabbit side, he might have a bad game. The Rabbits have been pretty bad on their edges, pretty low-key. Their their pack hasn't been anything to be worried about with your guns playing them. And they're going to be a bit weaker. And, they're you know, they've got Mansour out. Uh, they've got Latrell out. Those are two pretty big outs, but particularly Latrell out is going to change things a lot. There's been talk that Cody Walker has been training at fullback. He traditionally has not been very good there, which is going to hurt super coaches that own him. But all of it culminates in the Rabbits traveling away to the Gold Coast to play them, looking like heavy favorites, but I'm not really sure they are. And I think that guys like Fafita might actually low-key be up for a really big game here where people are sort of expecting a 45 to 50. So I really like him as a gun for this game. Yeah, he'll score well against South. I don't think that'll be a problem. Um, I think South should win, but this is the game of the round for an upset if you want to take one. Um, the Titans are, are will be really stinging off last week. They're... Not a great team. Like people have been too quick to call them a great team, but they're you know too quick to sort of pizzle them after one bad game too. They've got a lot of good players, and they it just happens when you're a middle of the table team and you're not a great team yet. You have days like that sometimes, and they'll come back with a, a bit embarrassed. Um, and I think they'll play all right, and it'll probably be quite close. I don't think there's. I wouldn't jump on any any guns in this game. I, I wouldn't jump on Walker or. or for feeder as captain, I don't think this week. I think there's other options, but I would be happy owning any of the guns in this game too. I'm not worried about him scoring bad. Yeah, I think I think the Rabbits will still score well. I, in in particular, I think Cook will actually have mm. a bit of a comeback game. He'll he'll go his big score after a, a lowish score last week. I think if you really want to try and make up ground, and you're not sold on going Cleary as a VC, or for some reason you don't own him and you have for feeder, I don't think many people are going to put a VC on Fafita. I don't think anyone's going to throw a C on him hardly at all. He could be a bit of a, a pod move for a VC option, I reckon. Um, Cody Walker might be one as well, but if he plays at fullback, I don't think he's going to go as well. But I I, I wouldn't be against putting a, a pod VC on David Fafita for this one. No, I, I've done it, uh, not to go against myself, because I've done it three times this year, but the only thing I'll say is you've got to get your VC on someone that can go 150, and I know he has just done that at 147, but if you look at him this year, he scored a double and got 105, and he scored a triple and got 147. So to get himself over 120 points, he sort of needs three tries, and it's just quite a lot, you know, like mm. the better the opposition, the odds of him scoring a hat-trick aren't ideal, and, you know, he might get two and an assist or something, but he needs quite a lot to happen to get there, I guess. So I try and tend to pick someone that has relatively reasonable odds of doing that, like a Cleary uh, or a Teddy and everything else. I don't hate it, and I have done it myself a few times this year, but I'm always mindful that I'm not going to loop it if it's not 120. So it really needs to be someone who can get has a path to getting that, and for him it is hard if you're relying on a hat trick. Yeah, that's fair. Look, top sport better the week. Uh the Gold Coast Titans, their line's plus six and a half, but if you push that out to a pick-your-own line on top sport to plus ten and a half, you're still going to get a dollar sixty-two odds. And dollar sixty-two for plus ten and a half with the Titans at home against a reduced rabbit side. Love that bet on top sport, so get all over it. I reckon those odds are going to be plummeting for the Titans. There's a lot of money that'll come in for them. 
Broncos Eels. Now, Ryan Madison's in Jersey 21. So he could come in. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Dylan Brown's a big back into the side um, at the expense of Will Smith. They're up against a Broncos side where Denny Levi has been signed and thrown straight on the interchange bench. Herbie Farnworth comes back in replacing Richie Kenner. Other than that, everything else has stayed the same. So super coaches basically have known what to expect from the Eels most of the year, aside from when Madison's going to play or not. Broncos, it's been chopping and changing, but this week he's actually stuck pretty solid. There's still no Milford, but there is still a TPJ on the edge. Gun-wise for this one, um, I'm... It's a gun and it's a pod. I own Clint Gutherson still as my second fullback. He's still there. He keeps surviving. He's still got a few round average of an 86. So as much as people want to shit on me like you, Luke, for owning Clint <laughs> Gutherson, he's still scoring some points. The Broncos, mate, they they give up points to other fullbacks. So as far as a pod gun, um, Clint Gutherson, as far as a, a fallen gun that's not really much of a gun a lot of the time, that's a bit of a, a value play. Mike Acevo loves playing against the Broncos. Um, I'm pretty sure that the stat is that he's scored a try every single game against the Broncos. And I would be surprised if he doesn't score at least one, if not two, this week. Uh, he only had 60-odd points last week with a try, but this game has Mike Acevo double written all over it. So it's a bit of a pod play now because his ownership's plummeted. Um, I don't mind that. And if you have a look at Acevo as well, if you were looking at a cheap center wing option... And again, you know, Sevo, I throw this disclaimer out all the time. Look, he's not a week-to-week gun. He's going to throw you some bad scores, but he's going to have some potential big ones. He hasn't had a huge one yet, um, and he's coming up against a Broncos side that he could absolutely nail, and he's only 400k to purchase. So, you know, Bull- Broncos this week, Bulldogs the following week. Good two-week run for Mike Sevo. I'm glad that I own him for this two weeks, and I reckon that he's going over for a double this week against the Bronx. Yeah, I, I always have a look at him. I'm not doing it. I'm going to spend a bit more money for some safe points. But if you're looking for a fourth centre and don't have a heap to spend because you're doing something with the fullbacks or the front rowers, it's not a bad shout for a couple of weeks. And you probably then stash him and, and match up, play him and play him in round 13 when Parramatta will have very few players in origin. But new consequently, they're playing Newcastle that week who will have, you know, Safidi and, and Ponga. Um, most importantly, obviously, Ponga in that team. So they'll get to play, you know, pretty much, I would imagine, their full side, bar maybe Paulo or something like that, and they'll get to play a Pongaless Knights, and he'll be well worth owning that week. So if you want to grab him, play him for a good run, stash him until then, or, you know, play, rotate him in and out, and then you might get a really good score in a very important week when we're all short too. Yep, 100% agree. I, I think that this one is a little bit too hard to put a VC or C on because the Broncos did play a lot better last week and it is in Darwin. So uh, it's a bit of a harder one to tell. I do think that Eels are going to score points though. Um, so for that reason, uh, Mike Acevo, anytime try scorer, $1.87 on top sport. Top sport better the week for sure. There's some amazing odds for some wingers to score this week against weak opposition. So I love that one. But the Sharks-Bulldogs, I don't love as much. This is probably... A game, you know, my wife says to me that you can't watch every game every week, so I've managed to do it most weeks, but if I have to this week, I do have a birthday party to get to on Saturday, <laughs> so it's worked out perfectly. The Sharks and Bulldogs play at 5.30 on a Saturday. I might miss this one, but Sean Jack- Johnson is back on the bench, so 
that's going to be really interesting to see what happens there, whether he actually stays on the bench or he plays. Teague Wilton goes back into the second row, so he's going to keep making money for owners, which is great. For the Bulldogs, Jack Hetherington suspended, um, which means that Luke Thompson's playing at prop. I dare say that's going to mean that he might get an extra few minutes as well, which is good. But aside from that, Luke, when I'm having a look at this one, there's no one that we can look at at a C or VC, um, even as an out there one. I don't think there's anyone that's even there as really a pod buy in this. And I don't really want to sound too down on either of these sides, but they're probably not too relevant for Supercoach this week, this one. No, it's a bit of a pass for Supercoach. I think um, I'm one of the people who bought in Teague Wilton, and he's killing it. Like, he's getting 50s in base in the centres and looks a really good player. If you own him, I wouldn't play him this week. Um, I watched the Knights game, and what happened at the Knights is he played 80 minutes in the centres, and the round before, he had played 80 minutes on Nakora's edge. But what happened in the Knights game is that they started Jack Williams on the edge with Teague at centre, and Talakai came onto the edge and Williams went off. So and and Nakora played the eighty. So if you own Wilton, what you would take out of that is that Nakora will keep the eighty minutes on the right edge, and that Wilton will be the one that gets shifted when they bring Talakai on, because they seem to be bringing Talakai back to fitness that way, and that's what happened last week. So that if you own him, I've been keen to play him because he looks a really good footballer, but I think you'll find that his minutes get cut this week. Yep, uh, that's a really good call. Uh, I reckon on top sport for the better of the week on this one, people are going to think this is risky, but you know the Bulldogs are giving sixteen and a half points for a dollar ninety. I think the Sharks will probably win, but you know as bad as the Bulldogs have been playing, they've got to win at some point. I don't think the Sharks are particularly strong. Uh, I'm going to take the sixteen and a half points for the Bulldogs for a dollar ninety. That seems like a lot of value there. Cowboys Raiders is the next Saturday night game, and this one here. We've got Ben Hampton <laughs> with his number seven jersey still on his back, and I just don't get it. <laughs> and I don't want to segue too much, Luke, but far out, these new coaches, like, really, they get a rod for their own back the way they make their moves. Like, it's like, if you if you just stay the status quo and be boring, you're probably going to be more competitive and safer as a coach or just sort of be low-key losing with a bad roster than to still be losing with a bad roster but making really stupid moves all the time. Like I, I don't understand how guys like Ben Hampton get into a number seven jersey for a rookie coach. Like It makes no sense. Well, by all means, don't be boring. Be interesting. But be interesting with something that like is any good. <laughs> but, I mean, he's trying to sign Chad Townsend. So, I mean, I, mean, I think that tells you what you need to know. Um, that game, I make an effort to not watch them because I, I, I find them awful to watch. Um, they don't have anything going on. We'll all hope Condon goes over again. I, he, he, you know, if he, I, don't, I forget what side he's on, but if he's marking Hudson Young, he may well because he's struggling. But there's not much doing there otherwise. And uh, on the other side, to be honest, there's not a, much, a lot doing there either. You're really going to be thankful that Ryan James is where he is. Um, well, I am going to you stop know. you there because I do need to do my regular bi-weekly mention of Valentine Holmes. Now, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he did. He threw up 95 points last week against the Dogs, mm. and he's now gone 70, 70, 50, 95, 530-odd K. So mm. he is going to be a pod that I'm going to mention on that side. If people want a centre-wing pod to throw in, um, Canberra's you know, tough, but it is at home, and they've made a bulk of changes, and then they have that Warriors-Broncos um run the couple of weeks after. So 
Valentine Holmes is still there. I've mentioned him as a buy multiple times the last you know six weeks of football that we've been playing, um, but he's been going well in that number one jersey still. Yeah, he's good. He's good. I, I really liked him at four ninety, but just couldn't quite get myself to do it. And yeah, yeah, I, I probably I, I spent at other positions, and I'm glad I did. But I, I regret that I couldn't do it, and I really regret that I didn't didn't just play him there in round one because I had him in my round one build, and it's a lot harder to find the money for a centre after round one. <laughs> so I'm disappointed with that. Um, yeah, it's the only thing about Canberra is just that, you know, they've suddenly got a lot of holes in that roster. Um, you know, you suddenly got Caleb Aitkins playing, Chris, Curtis Scott, a very old Rapana, and Emre Gula starting with James and everything. You know, they're starting to get a few holes in the side we've seen the last few years, and we've started to see them lose a couple of games. It won't be this one, but I guess when we start looking at draws... Um, I'm not writing Canberra off just yet, but we need to start probably when we start assuming Canberra is going to be a hard game. Let's just keep watching and see if that ends up being the case because they're suddenly not looking the side we thought they were at the moment. And there's a few guys in that team struggling and there's a few names there that don't live up to the sort of performance Canberra has actually put up the last few years. Yeah, well, there's so many changes. Like, you Mm. can't even keep up with the amount of changes that are there. Like, we've got... Uh, Tappany in the extended bench. CHN and Corey Horsburgh have finally come back onto the bench. We've been waiting for that to happen. That's great as a team. Canberra's better with those guys. For super coach, it's going to take away from guys like Hudson Young. He's going to be the edge that loses his minutes, not Elliot Whitehead. So if you own Hudson Young for his good run, that could be coming to an end. Um, likewise, you know, even if Tappany comes back in, Horsburgh is going to eat into his minutes. Um, if you got on to Ryan Sutton a month ago, it was very savvy and ended up working out really well. He's going to get hurt by Corey Horsburgh coming in and, and probably going to 13 as well. Uh, so all of the moves have actually hurt Supercoach. There's not really any opportunity that it's opened up at all. I'm struggling to suggest that the Raiders aren't going to lose this week. You know, Maybe they'll turn it around, but it wouldn't surprise me. Oh, I think they'll win. I think they'll be good enough with... The sort of uh, the Cowboys are the sort of team that are guys like Whiten and that can really rout and um, and Starling can get out a nine from. They're, they they they're not good enough. I've watched how much they've let teams like the Bulldogs and the Tigers back into the game when they got in front. But Canberra, uh, yeah, at least for now, I think when you look forward, don't just be thinking, oh, he's got Canberra this week. That's going to be a stingy game. Um, they might, you know. They might turn it around, but for the moment, you've got to, you've got to adapt, adapt. We go into round one thinking we know what the hard and easy games are, and the teams don't always work out that way, and it's time to start looking. So to adapt your expectations of which teams are constitute being in a good and bad run for your super coach players, that's all. And Canberra are a bit of a watch at the moment because we're not quite sure where they're going to go, whether they're going to, you know, these changes will right the ship and they'll come good, or whether they're just starting to teeter a bit because on paper, they, they don't look like a top four side. No, not at all. Look, top sport bet of the week for this one is just don't bet on it and stay away and save your money. <laughs> but um, if you are crazy, top sport have tried to entice you with best odds in the market, $3.60 for the North Queensland Cowboys to win up there. And look, both these sides look pretty shot at the moment. I think that's way over. So if you wanted to take a, a real gamble, you know, that one's there. But the Tigers versus Eagles is the next one. This one's at Bankwest Stadium. Now, we've got... A few changes, but nothing of real note. Michael Cheekham has come in to the centres. Um, that might be interesting down the track if he's cheap enough. Um, Joey Leilua is back on the extended bench, but other than that, Simkin has retained his spot, and we still have Moses Embai on the bench with no Jacob Little. So 
Seagull side of things, it's the same 17 because how could you possibly, you know, change a side that absolutely routed the Titans after being huge underdogs and beating them by 40-something points? My pod for this one, I've I brought him up for a, a couple of weeks now and I don't mean to do it again when you're on Luke, but, you know, Adam Dewey just is a gift that keeps on giving. He's my pod for this one for sure. I am just going to rattle off the numbers more for you than everybody listening. After his first game back against the Roosters, he's gone 90, 84, 94, 61. I love him this week against Manly. I think that he's going to be going up another 80-plus points. Um, He's my pod for the gun stuff that I'm looking at for this one. Obviously, we've already chatted about Turbo, and he's an obvious one. But David Nofaluma hasn't been getting as much love. Uh, a few weeks ago, we said that, you know, you need to start looking at him as a serious purchase as he gets a bit cheaper because we're getting towards the buy the Tigers going to play. He now has a run coming up of Manly, Dragons, Titans, Newcastle, Warriors, Dragons again, and a reduced strength Panthers side in the buy. 560,000, 58 BE. This is the time to buy him. He has now gone 71 and 76 points the last two weeks. Yeah, he's not a bad shout. Um, he's moved wings, and you want to have a look at how they play that way and how, with how they go down that edge, and that'll be interesting over time. I don't have enough thoughts on that in one week to see whether they're much good at getting the ball to that wing. Um, yeah, look, I'm just not that into him this year. I think I don't think he'll score enough tries to get... I think there's other guys this year. He'll be okay. I, I prefer. I much prefer Lomax, who pretty much has a 50 floor. Um, I much prefer... Bradman best in a couple of weeks. Um, I got on Brian Kelly last week, and that didn't work out too well, but maybe Nofo might have been a better option than him, but he's a bit cheaper as well. He's in like 470 now with a pretty good run still to come. I don't think Nofo will be bad for you. He's at a good price. He'll go okay. Just don't think that, don't think this is a down run that he's going to turn back into last year's Nofaluma. I don't think that will happen, but he's still decent, and if you, as long as you know that, he's not a bad buy. I quite like him probably a bit more than what Luke does, especially when he's playing that buy round. So I'm going to have a look at him this week. I might end up bringing him in. But on the gun side of things as well, when we're having a look at the Seagulls, there's one guy that definitely has to be mentioned. And it's no surprise whatsoever that that man is future immortal Jason Saab. He finally has a (laughs) negative break even. Luke, how good are we for owners holding him and getting that negative BE that we knew was coming? Well, that, that is still not the lowest score with two tries that I'm, that I'm aware of. Yep. So that, that is still the second lowest I've ever seen because Edo Nabuli for the Dragons against the Newcastle Knights as a cheapie. This came through the same year as Semirad Raja, came out to the Dragons and scored 37 against the Knights with two tries. I owned him for that. <laughs> uh, Eto always has a place in my heart yeah, for that. I one. know, right. So don't anyone out there think Saab is bad? Um, us veteran players remember the great Edo Nabuli, and I just wanted to get a mention of him in there. So it's the two worst cheapie wingers. Fantastic reference. <laughs> I love Ditto. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think he ended up playing in a park somewhere down the road. But anyway, <laughs> um, three tries for Saab in the last two weeks for a 44.5 average. Huge. Hopefully he can score four this week and he can hit a 60. But other than that, obviously we mentioned Turbo. Would you go out if you're owning Turbo this week? You know, he's come back for one game only, has a bung hamstring, but he threw up a monster score last week. Tigers leak points. Would you just throw the C on him, or yeah. would you look at a VC and say, I'm, if he doesn't go well, then I'm going to take a hit on putting like a, a C on an Angus Crichton or something later on in the round? 
No, I, I'd be happy to see him. Um, I, I think I, I if I bring him in, I'm going to see him or Tedesco. It'll probably be Tedesco, but I would see one of them. And if you go turbo, good on you. Top spot bet of the week. I'm going to go for an anytime try score again. David Nofaluma, $2.12 to score anytime. Now, I don't like to normally do this and bash the competition, but Sportsbet is the most popular agency in Australia. Dollar eighty for them. Dollar eighty versus two dollars twelve. Won't get better odds than at top sports. So go for two dollars twelve, no flume, score any time. Roosters Dragons, Sydney Cricket Ground. I live for these clashes. Gone to some great ones over the years. Um Roosters side obviously has a couple of big changes. Brett Morris is in, which is massive, especially people that own him, because he will carve up this week against the Dragons. Sam Verrills is returning, which is huge. I'm going to buy Sam Verrills. It's not a yes, no, maybe. 250k, he's coming into my side for Hodgson in a couple of weeks' time. Um, now, Ikevali's obviously gone. Adam Kieran's out of the squad with Marsh here on the bench to spell Verrills. Um, and obviously, we need to know what's going to happen with TKO. He could be out as well. For the Dragons, it's big news is that Ben Hunt is on the extended bench. Um, and Corey Norman's been named despite his uh, injury. So I, I think that Ben Hunt will be a good chance at coming in, especially for such a big clash like this. It's an interesting one, Luke, because there are so many players of interest in it, and I'm going to say they're all on the Roosters' side for me. No surprise, but um, from a captaincy point of view, you know, James Tedesco, he is more than likely going to be my captain this week. I don't think a lot of people are going to jump on uh, because of his recent form. He's obviously gone 57 and 40 the last two weeks. He's gone a month without a ton now uh, and has a five-round average of 71, which includes 111 in it. So there's no beating around the bush. It hasn't been that great. He hasn't had as many runs or possessions. He has scored 134 points against the Dragons before. Um, Anzac Day game, a lot of pressure on the Roosters. I've mentioned before that someone like Verrill's coming in uh, he's going to help them a lot, in my opinion. Uh, we haven't had even a third-string hooker playing. But being an Anzac Day clash that the Roosters genuinely always step up for, uh, I, I think Tedesco is prime for 100 points. I know I said that uh, it was coming, and I think that it's going to be this week. Yeah, I'm pretty into it. I've, I haven't thought too much about it. I've had it on him since it opened, and I'm, I'm not really intending to take it off. I'll be tempted by Turbo, but I won't do it. I'm going to stick with stick fat with Teddy. I think it's on. It's, he's, he's just that good. Just He hasn't forgotten how to play. He'll be right. He'll come good soon. <laughs> well, the pod factor was uh, yeah. Daniel Tupo for me. And I know that you've liked Toots before, but he uh, he has a he's come off a, a season low score of 30 last week, which was really bad, but it was obviously against Melbourne in a tough game for the Roosters. He's now only 485k with an 82B, so you couldn't wait on him. But I think that he's a real good chance at scoring a try against the, the Dragons this week. Um, and traditionally... Uh, he is a guy that doesn't go too long without tries, and he's now only scored one in his first six matches. So I get that he's not they're not going there that much, but there is actually only um, five teams that Toops has scored a ton against, and one of them is the Dragons at 109 points, which is his third or fourth best score that he's ever scored. So I I like Toops for this week as a bit of a pod boy. He's uh, he's on my watch list. Yeah, it's a fair shout. He's always a chance to boo. Um, yeah, he could, he could get it done any given week. And Walker seems to like to throw rainbow, pa- rainbow passes, so he's going to get a few of those over the course of the season. So as far as uh, 
top sport goes. I, well, first of all, Luke, I, I'm all over the Roosters, but I'm a Roosters fan, so I need someone that's not biased that's going to make a comment <laughs> who's going to win this one. Oh, the Roosters will win it fairly comfortably, I would have thought. Um, if they're really off their game, it might be a grinding game that they win dirty and get some confidence, but I think they might come out and do a bit of a job on them. I still think the thing with the Roosters at the moment, I think that they're struggling against the top sides, but they still can blow teams beneath them away, and I think that's what they'll do. Dollar fifty on Top Sport for the Roosters to win. I'm just going to take the straight win on that one. I think it's a great bet on Top Sport. Storm vs Warriors finishes off the round. Now, we've got Pappenhausen completely gone, not named at all, which is probably the best for owners because it means that they can just trade him out, um, knowing that he's definitely not going to play. Finucane's come onto the bench as well. Interesting for the Warriors. We've got Hiku gone with his shoulder, Pompey gone with his knee. Um, Turner gone with his shoulder, so that's three out straight away. They do get Fusatua back, but quite a few changes. It's good that Curran's named um, Bailey Sirenen's back as well, so they get a couple back, but all in all, this one looks like, you know, the Warriors have traditionally stepped up against the Storm in the past, and the Storm doesn't have Pappenhausen. But to me, the gun that screams out is also a bit of a, a C option if you want to VC a fullback is Cameron Munster. To, to carve up against the understrength Warriors side when he's going to be, you know, relied on a fair bit with Pappenhausen not there. So he's he's the one that definitely sticks out to me because he's had a fairly, I'm not going to say mediocre season, but he hasn't had a big score yet. He hasn't tunned up yet. And, you know, he's going to have to pretty soon. Yeah, and he'll kick the goals too. So if they do put 30 or 40 on them and he gets his usual, he's averaging 70 without goal kicking. And if they put 30 points on and he averages 70, that's already going to be a hundred if he kicks the goals. Mind you, he misses a lot of them, but um, nonetheless, if he, you know, he hasn't had a big game and he can do that anyway, and he's going to have the goal kicking. So even his standard game becomes close to a hundred. I thought fair. Yeah. Look, if I wasn't going to Desco, I'd have a fair crack at Munster. And I think he'll go really well this week. Bit of a, um, different type of trade strategy with this one. Like, you've spoken about needing to get the fullbacks in. If you had Latrell there and you had Moylan at, at 5'8", would you do a bit of a zag and go, you know what, I'm going to trade Latrell, move Moylan, and actually get Munster in instead of getting one of these other fullbacks? Oh, I don't... I don't mind it. It's just that he's 600... Like, it, Tommy's the same price as Munster, you know? Um, it's hard when he's so... You know, Tom Trevojevic is probably the one with the biggest ceiling. But, no, look, Munster could easily score as many points as he does this week. It probably depends which fullbacks he got. But that's not, it's not the worst shout in, in the world to have a look at it. He'll go really well, and he's pretty solid. Um, but I'm, I, I own him. I'm not going to move him on. I'm pretty happy with him. But I think I'd be looking, if you look at the draws and everything else, I'd be keener to find a way to get the Luai over the next few weeks if he can, or if he comes back down. I, I don't know that I'd trade Munster in longer term right now. Origin's coming up, and then he's just solid, and you probably want to try and shoot at Walker or Luai if you didn't own one. Yep, fair call. Um, I think the Storm are going to do a job here and, and beat the Warriors. Uh, it may not be by a million, but I think they're definitely going to get home. Top sport better of the week in that regard is Josh Adokar at $1.68 anytime. I do like the anytime odds on top sport because they are so good. So that's one that I'm jumping on. That is the round, Luke. Thank you for jumping on once again. It's always great to chat some footy with you and to get you to sprout your super coach knowledge from from all the way about 7,000 positions ahead of me. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, I'll make sure I keep letting you know about that, mate. Don't worry. <laughs> Cheers. Well, if you do want to hear Luke a bit more, um, the 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 Rugby League Cemetery is a great podcast. It is one that uh, has really big in-depth episodes, so they only come out every month or so. But do check it out. Go back through their catalogue. It's a great one to listen to. Uh, if you are going to bet, also obviously do so responsibly, but use Top Sport, our partner. And if you are going to create an account, make sure that you do it with the promo code SC All Stars, and they'll look after you. Follow us on Twitter as well. We do answer a lot of questions on there and so forth. NRL underscore SC underscore All Stars. Other than that, good luck with this week's trade, guys. It's going to be a really, really big week for fullbacks and front row trades in particular. Can't wait to see it next week, and we're going to chat about it all again. Hey now, you're an All Star. Get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star, get the show on, get 